here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're, where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crage. <laughs> who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. Like in, the, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? <laughs> Stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I'm Rich Grace alongside, as always, good family man, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's going on? We got Dragon Gate. We do. We got MLW. We do. These aren't frequent topics. No, <laughs> no we're, we're, we're digging into some, uh, I mean, I we may have an entire non-WWE show. We really may. I mean, the new, only thing... We've got New Japan. Yeah. yeah. We've got yeah. New Japan. Yeah. We've got a little... World Wrestling Council. <laughs> so maybe we have a little WWE, just in case. So, you know, World Wrestling Council. But yeah, it is definitely a spray to all fields show. We haven't had one of these in, in... Well, actually, I think we've been more frequently doing these. I think there was a time period like last year where there was just always madness going on. And we felt like we were always just doing uh, New Japan and WWE. But it's nice to kind of spread our wings a little bit and, and talk about these other companies. I think we've been better about doing it lately. But uh, yeah, it'd be fun to uh, to do it again, this uh, uh, this show. You know what else we have, Rich? What do we got? We've got Evolve for the second week in a row. We do. Lots of Evolve. See, they, they nuke everything, they change everything, and then we start talking about them again. So maybe it worked. <laughs> maybe it worked. We also have a very special Evolve thing. You want to let the people know about that? Yeah. How many? When's the last time? It's got to be at least four or five years that we've actually done an interview because, as we've talked about ad nauseum, we just dropped the concept of doing interviews because it, it just the logistics of it or whatnot. But we've got Gabe Sapolsky coming on today to talk about the changes. Uh, that have occurred and evolved and what's going to happen moving forward. And um, when was the, I, I can't even recall who our last interview was or when we just dropped it, but it well, had I'm, to be four or five years ago. I'm trying to look it up right now because I, I'm sure I could figure it out, but man, it was so long ago. It was, I think it was even longer than four years ago. I mean, we, we you know, doing some research, um, it was, you know, five, six years ago that we talked to Gabe, let alone. And I think, uh, I think we had that exact number when we get in the, the show with him, but uh, yeah, it like, no, it's it's been it's been a dramatic. I mean, even for yeah, I mean, I'm trying to even think of like when it could have possibly been. It it it, it had to be. You know, I'm looking back at our, our our past episodes here. We'll say okay, audio boom only goes back to 2014. That's 26 pages, 256 episodes right there that we don't have a number for. I mean, it it it, it might be like Micah Taylor or like T.J. Perkins. You know what I mean? Like it's five six years ago. I think at this point, you know, we talked to Gabe in, in 2012. 
And that's yeah. six years ago. And I don't think we went much longer after that. I mean, maybe we did another year or so, but 2013 had to be about when we stopped doing it. Cause I, I, yeah, I would year. say, yeah, you're, yeah. I, I don't think we, we were doing interviews into 2014. So yeah, it was I don't think so. No, by that point, cause I'm looking at audio boom and I know, no, we, we've done no audio boom uh, uh, no. interviews when we've been on audio boom and we went with them since June, 2004. 14. So yeah, there's no, I mean, we had to have stopped midway through 2013. I, I, I'd say when we did them and, and we talk about it all the time and I'm sure, you know, again, if you guys like this interview, let us know if, if you want to hear more of these, but the big issue and, and a big reason why we don't do as many interviews is not necessarily because we don't like them. I, I enjoy doing interviews and I know you do as well. We, we really, I think we relish in them. I think we're good at them. I think like, I, I, I love doing them. The problem is logistics of finding time for you and I to talk is hard enough on a given week, let alone you and I, and then now another person that has to talk at the same, like, right. it's tough. Like, so maybe we do stuff where it's just Joe or it's just me or whatever, but I think it's, it's, I've always enjoyed when you and I can kind of bounce questions off one another. You know, we know when the other guy you know, what they're asking and t- like that sort of stuff. And people come to, to, to expect both of us on an interview and it might not be feasible. So if people are okay with it, we might be able to do more where it's just you interviewing a guy or just me interviewing a guy or whatever, but it, it, it it's tricky. It's tough to get, like I said, you and I, we change. You know, this time we're recording on a Wednesday. Next week we're recording on a Thursday. The week after that we're recording at six thirty. This week we're recording at like it, it, it. Schedules are tough. It's hard enough to get you and I together for for three hours or whatnot. You had another person into that. You had uh, maybe even another person if we interviewed two. Like it's mad. It's so hard to do that. And like it's uh, it, it ended up being we talked about it many times before. We had these like great connections for interviews, but they were only available. Yeah, I'm available at eleven a.m. on Tuesday. And it's like, well, shit, that's not going to work for for us. Or like I'm available, you know, at this time at nine p.m. for thirty minutes. It's like, oh, geez, it's hard enough for you know, no, I don't have that 30 minutes available at 9 p.m. on a, on, on a Saturday. So it's it always became a logistic issue more than anything. Like, if this is our full-time job, I do interviews all the time. Yeah, shit. You want to do 11 a.m. on a Tuesday? Sounds good. You know, I, I'd have no problem with that. It's just logistically because we have, you know, four or five hours every night to, to A, have lives, A, spend time with our wives, you know, do just different things that we want to do, do other podcasts, do the TV reviews, do that sort of stuff, watch wrestling. It's hard then to carve out time to, to do these interviews, but uh, let us know what you think about this interview. And if, if if it is something that you really do enjoy, then maybe we can try to do them a little bit more. But uh, it's it's just that's, that's the reason why it's tricky. It, it, it's and, harder than uh, it seems to kind of schedule them. www.patreon.com slash voices of wrestling. You know, you bump that baby up and this does become my full time job. I'll do interviews every day. So I said, uh, yeah, like I'll, do, I'll do a 12 hour show every day. <laughs> Interviews up and down the block. <laughs> did I get the URL uh, correct that time? Or uh, what? You did. Yeah. Patreon.com slash voice. You didn't have to add the WWW, but I, I, I admire the, uh, <laughs> you, you age yourself a little bit there, Joe, with the, that's uh, the completionist uh, in me. Yeah. You did you do HTTP to... colon slash slash at least. So that's at least. That's good, right. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, so just log on to log oh, on, go ahead, to go your, log on your prodigy account. And um, <laughs> fire up Netscape and the <laughs> go to yeah, HTTP get that Juno account going slash slash. Well, you laugh, but there's you know some prominent people still uh using Juno here and there, but yeah, patreon.com slash voices wrestling or conveniently enough, voices wrestling.com slash patreon to get on there. So yeah, uh, get us, yeah, get us up a you know another thousand or so, and then yeah, we'll, we'll do a lot more reviews. <laughs> so if you haven't used all 50 hours of that AOL disc, you know, you can uh hop on the line and support us. Uh, and uh, and here's some more interviews, but yeah, we'll get to Gabe a little bit later. Um, and yeah, you know, finally some Dragon Gate again, and and we mm-hmm. mean it this time. We're we're not no, going to tease Dragon it's Gate. Going to happen. It has to happen. We've watched it. We've talked about it. We got multiple topics on Dragon Gate too, not just uh, one. So yeah, we are definitely going to get uh, into Dragon Gate, as you said, New Japan, MLW, uh, little World <laughs> World Wrestling Council, uh, Evolve, and some other stuff as well. But uh, Joe, before we do all that, I do want to let people know that this episode of the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast is sponsored by our friends 
at Grapple, and we talked about them a lot last week, but they are a fantastic new app available for free right now on the App Store and Google Play. Grapple, that's a little bit of confusion the first week, and I, I'll spell it out again. Uh, G-R-A-P-P-L, no E. G-R-A-P-P-L. So if you're searching for it, you need to put in G-R-A-P-P-L. Leave off the E and that's how you'll find Grapple. It is a platform where you can rate matches that you watch. No more spreadsheets or paper notes like Joe. Uh, Grapple makes it easier than ever to keep a log of your personal match ratings in one easy-to-use platform. And as well, it's not going to work. Grapple will not be very fun if it's only you rating matches. It needs people. It needs people downloading it. It needs people rating matches. We did the ad last week and we heard an overwhelming response from people that downloaded it. We heard from the, the Grapple folks that Wow, you guys got a bunch of people on there. So you guys did your job on the first week, but we got to keep that going for the next few weeks. So the more people that go on there, the more people that rate matches, then we get averages, we get all the other good stuff. And I know, Joe, you've had a time to kind of uh, mess around with it as well. What, what are your thoughts on Grapple so far that you've, uh, you, now that you've had a few weeks to kind of mess around with it? I'm just looking at everybody's terrible ratings and how wrong they are about how they're <laughs> that's, a, these hey, that's one way to do it. That's one way to do it too. And, and soon enough, I will be filling up the app with the correct star ratings for all of these matches. Uh, especially, you know, I, I love how even on our ad, on our copy... You can it, still it, bury people. Yeah, you're just... Uh... No, they got to bury me and make fun of my spiral notebook. What's that about, man? Oh, well, I added that part. <laughs> to be fair, they did not add that, but I, I buried you in the paper notes. But now you don't need... Come on, Joe. Get, get, get with the age. You know, get with the times here. It's 2018. Get, get, use the app. And the good thing, like you said, that when you can when you get on Grapple, uh, G-R-A-P-P-L, of course, no E, uh, you can follow both Joe and I. You can follow other people as well. We said that a bunch of other people started signing up from Voices Wrestling. So now you can follow fellow members of the Voice Wrestling community, follow them, uh, see their match ratings, their incorrect match ratings, and then eventually follow Joe when he puts his correct match ratings on there. And then you'll now you'll know the definitive rating for each and every match uh, throughout history. Joe's going to go back and rate, because they have matches all the way back to 1985. Joe's going to rate each and every single one of them, so you will know definitively throughout history what the best matches are and the exact ratings for every single one of those matches. But uh, yeah, that's that's a good thing about Grapple. And what we said as well is it aggregates the ratings for each match and calculates an average across all raters. So you can think of it as a Rotten Tomatoes, uh, a Yelp, and Untapped for wrestling, which is, is pretty cool. And we heard that uh, uh, from the, the Grapple guys that a few of our voice wrestling listeners, this is how like weird you guys are. And I'm glad you're as weird as you are, but he heard that one person, and, he, and I guess he could see the data, that one person for Joe nine hours straight rated matches. They went back through time and rated Rated like every single match that they have ever rated in their history. They went back and did nine hours of ratings. And that that is the voice wrestling difference right there. It's that person. I don't know who you are. You know that because you're listening right now. But thank you, that person that went back and did nine hours of ratings on Grapple. Like consistently. Apparently, you did hundreds and hundreds of matches. You were a good person, and we like you very much. But uh, currently, Grapple has over 27,000 matches dating all the way back to 1985, including WWE, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Ring of Honor, Progress, Impact Wrestling, PWG, Lucha Underground, and Evolve. But as we said, Grapple is brand new, so it is only going to work if people are using it and uh, rating matches. So, Voice Wrestling Flagship listeners, we ask you again, let's get on it and let's start rating matches. Hop onto the App Store or Google Play and search for Grapple. Once again, that's G-R-A-P-P-L, no E, uh, and download it for free right now. That's G-R-A-P-P-L on the App Store and Google Play. Download Grapple today and support our new sponsor. So, uh, without any further ado, Joe, do you want to get into the uh, Gabe Sapolsky interview about... uh, Obviously, we talked about it last week. Evolve 114 was a uh, transformative show for the brand. It, it's uh, definitely a um, 
a newsworthy show in a lot of ways. And we talked about it last week uh, in detail. It felt like a very new direction for Evolve, a very new direction for some things. So uh, Gabe was gracious enough to come onto the show and kind of talk a little bit about what's going on, obviously what happened with Evolve 114, what's going on in the future, a little bit of the, uh, the relationship between uh, him and, and WWE and NXT and Evolve and all that other stuff uh, going forward. So we have that. And then obviously a little hype for uh, this upcoming weekend, which we'll talk about a little bit as well uh, with Evolve 115 and 116 going on in uh, Detroit and uh, my neck of the woods, Chicago. Uh, for Evolve 116, so we'll, uh, we'll we'll discuss that uh, with Gabe and a little bit more. But uh, yeah, Joe, you ready to uh, get to that interview right now? You know, Rich, you're breaking kayfabe here. You just revealed that this is a pre-tape. I was going to be like, <laughs> I was going to be like, no. hey, oh, Rich, Gabe, I didn't see you come in. Like, hi, Gabe. Gabe is on the line. Let's talk oh. to Gabe. You know, right after this <laughs> short break. But no, Rich has to tell everybody that there's a pre-tape. So uh, yeah, okay. So Rich has already broken kayfabe. Uh, we'll be right back after a short break uh, with the pre-tapes uh, Gabe Sapolsky interview. Right back. So, Rich, uh, Gabe Sapolsky was on this show a long time ago. Do you have the, uh, <laughs> you you compiled some statistics? When was the last time? Yes, yes. Yeah, so, th- so th- just to give you an idea of if y'all want to feel horrible about like where we've been with our lives and <laughs> time and all this sort of stuff. The last time we had this man on our show. It was 2,302 days ago, 75 months ago, and six years ago. Just to give you an idea, we let off that interview. Joe let it off with an interview about the sw- or a joke about the Swamp Monster. Uh, we then asked Gabe if he was the mastermind behind shutting down Wrestling Bay and Rudos. Uh, and then there was also, at that time, a Wrestling Observer report that Gabe was trying to get his job back with Ring of Honor. And that was what we talked about all those many years ago. It has been quite a while since we've had this guy on our show. So Gabe, do you even remember uh, coming on this dopey show on July 19th, 2012? Well, I was just hearing that, and um, yeah, I have no idea that... Uh, I can't believe it's been that long. How come you guys didn't invite me back? Was it that bad? Uh, actually, we don't know why you came on. I don't know. We, we don't know why you came on in the first place. Joe and I still talk about that, because I think you were our like third or fourth show, and we still have no idea why you came on in the first place. We still to this day are like, why did Gabe do an interview with us? Like he had no need to. We were just an idiot. We were idiots six years ago. We're idiots now. We're, yeah, we were more I, I think six years ago, I was so desperate that if anybody would talk to me, I was willing <laughs> to give him an, an, an interview on the record. So now I'm a little bit more selective and everything. So, um, but I'm happy to be back and I'm happy to be talking to you guys. I enjoy the, the show. And uh, I want to thank everyone out there, too, for giving us a listen. Um, you know, I appreciate your time. All right. So, I mean, uh, you know, for that show, there was probably several dozen people listening. So you've got a slightly bigger audience for this one. Uh, But let's get right into it. So I think all of our listeners are aware of the massive reset button that was hit. Uh, This is a uh, a listenership that's uh, pretty in tune with what's going on. And we talked about it extensively last week. So I guess why don't we just start uh, right there? Why the reset button now? What what was the impetus uh, for this uh, for this giant change would evolve. Well, there's several uh, different elements to that question. Um, the first of which is it it wasn't sudden behind the scenes by any means. It was um, something we've been working towards with WWE and NXT for for quite a while, with a, a lot of steps being taken along the ways. And you can kind of see that by the fact that you know Alistair Black popped up at one time, Cedric Alexander popped up. There's been WWE.com articles in the past. Um, even, you know, when, when Triple H came to one of our shows a couple of years ago and stuff. So you can, you can tell this is a long time in the making behind the scenes. So it's by no means like a sudden thing. Um, 
from another point of view is I get asked every so often by aspiring promoters out there, what's, you know, what's your advice for starting a wrestling promotion? And my first advice is always, if you're not bringing anything new to the market, don't bother. Now, it can be a completely different concept. It can be you're the only indie of that type in that area, you know, a regional type thing. It can be anything, but it's got to be something different to the marketplace you're running. And the fact of the matter is, is Evolve was not bringing anything new to the marketplace. Um, I felt that we were for a while with kind of when we were doing like the five match shows when they were all like kind of main events and we had that super deep talent roster of all guys who would basically be main eventers now. And then, you know, we, we focused on the grappling style and that kind of stuff. But, you know, we've seen a lot of that talent go and, and go on to WWE and NXT. And uh, we kind of reached a point now where we just we were using all the same guys as every other indie. Like, um, for instance, Shane Strickland, we have the title on him. How many other titles does he hold and how many other different places? It's a lot and he deserves it because he's a he's a top guy. But like we we were going to build to Shane Strickland versus Darby Allen for the Evolve title, you know, WrestleMania weekend. Um, and now that match has already happened on a few high profile indies. So it wasn't even like it was a unique match. Um, I was looking at the different roads we could go down. All right, maybe maybe we pick up the relationship with Dragon Gate or some. I'm just throwing this out there. I'm not even saying I approached them or anything, but because um, I didn't. But um, maybe we start flying in a whole bunch of Japanese guys again to to fill out the roster, and make it unique. Well, that's super expensive. That didn't work before with DGUSA. It got too expensive. Um, go down to Mexico. People ask why aren't you using all the luchadors? Um, you know, Pentagon and, and Feniz are, are on everything, you know, they're on every show. Um, and when a guy comes in, who's new, like, like Bandito or whomever, all of a sudden they're on every show just like that. So again, we're not offering anything new. So we, we had a need to bring something new to the marketplace or, or be something different. And then the final element is just like, I've completely changed as a booker. You know, I've been going down to the PC now for, for about a year or so. And um, I, it's a lot of my perspectives on things and my paradigms that have changed. Um, so now I, I kind of want to book a different style. And uh, a lot of what I really enjoy now is, is really talent development. And that's kind of, you know, if you look at the track record of Evolve, that's kind of been the niche. But like now even more so, whether it's talent coming from the PC that will benefit from the indie experience or talent from the indies that, are just looking for some mentorship and a place to grow and have the talent. You know, a guy like Leon Ruff uh, coming from AR Fox's school with the Skulk. A guy like Barrett Brown, who did one of our seminar tryouts in January of 2017 and was kind of on the radar since then. And now he's coming in for a few shows, you know, guys who have been really stepping it up like Anthony Henry and J.D. Drake. So, you know, I, I want to work more with those kind of guys. Sorry, my phone just went crazy. Um, but, you know, I wanted to work with all those types of guys. And and uh, and it, it evolved, got kind of boring for me to book. So I'm a different booker now. So all those factors together kind of went to where we went to kind of like an extreme statement that evolved 114 with the, the show we put on to say, hey, we're doing something new now. So two things I picked up on there, and I can kind of tie them into one question. Number one. You said that this was kind of in the works for a while now. This wasn't something that was rushed into. I think a lot of fans have that impression that 
this sort of was a last minute decision or something that came together late. And the, and the other thing that I got the impression of as you were talking through that was that it's more difficult than ever to restock the pond, so to speak. And you kind of went through all the various scenarios. It's too expensive to fly people in from Japan. Everyone's using the same guys, so on and so forth. So let me ask you, let me frame it this way. Whether it, whether the change had made it difficult to bring in new talent and get new talent over and bring in new viable talent or not, this change was coming regardless. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, it would, well, hopefully it would have come regardless. Um, I mean, unless the deal fell apart, but you throw in those other factors. It's not like, it's not like the talent issue with us using all the same guys is a new issue. I mean, this has been an issue for a, a few years now you know like how often have i heard over the years what's evolves identity or you know what what does a basically like okay we go to new york and it's like a lot of the same guys are there the previous week this that's not a that's not a new problem that just happened you know that's that's been an issue for a while and we were able to kind of get through it when we based on star power kind of when we had zach saber jr and keith lee and matt riddle you know those were the big three on top but you know losing riddle was kind of like the the last guy there um, but at the same time, like it, it was an issue. It's not like we were just using riddle, you know, we were just the promotion that put them front and center as much as we could. Um, so yeah, so it was definitely in the works and it's not like I woke up one day and all these, like the, the kind of three things I just gave you, like all of a sudden dawned on me, you know, those three things have been on my mind for, you know, the talent development thing or my change in booking has really happened within the last year and a half or so, I'd say, which is when I was kind of been working more and more in the NXT system. And the talent issue has been around for a while. And what's evolved identity has been around for, you know, a, a, well over that. And um, um, I forgot the other point was, but <laughs> that um, that all right there, it's it's oh, and just the, the relationship with WWE has slowly grown, you know, as time progressed, there's been a lot of baby steps taken in that relationship. So it's, it, it does look sudden to the fans because we did make a statement on that show. You know, maybe I went over mm-hmm. the top on that statement, uh, booking it. Cause that's what I said. I, I just wanted <laughs> to, to nuke the entire thing, you know, and we did that as strongly as, as we possibly could on that evolve 114. So I understand why people would be like, Oh my God, that's uh, crazy what's happening. But all of those factors have been around for well over a year. So, you know, it's, it's, it definitely behind the scenes was something I've been itching to do for a while. And then, you know, I might've gotten a little too over eager, overzealous because I waited too <laughs> long and, you know, maybe we didn't need all that NXT talent underneath, but those were all talents that I've enjoyed working with at the PC. And I wanted to give the experience of, of bringing to evolve and like, you know, Fabian Eichner, you know, I love Fabian. I've watched all his house show matches. Um, he steals a show on every house show. Maybe I need to remember that uh, nobody else has watched those matches except for the people who have been in attendance and they haven't seen like all 20 of them the way that I have. Um, and, you know, Street Profits are TV talent, so they, they, that's a different case. Maybe, yeah, we went too over the top with it. You could say that was a little bit of a misstep, but that was me being super excited that we're finally able to showcase the vision of Evolve that I've has really taken a couple of years to put together at this point. 
so we'll get to the I think in a little bit we'll talk about uh, you know evolve one fourteen and, and and sort of like you said the shock to the system the nuke however you want to want to say because I think that was the reaction from a lot of hardcore fans it's like oh my god what is this but there was something in the in the first question that you uh, the first answer that you brought up that I thought was really interesting and you said that evolve in, in your mind wasn't bringing anything new to the table like you felt that you as a booker were not being fulfilled or whatnot and and I think that's actually pretty admirable that 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 you're willing to say that because I think you know history is littered with promoters who would never ever admit that what they're doing is either not working what they're doing isn't working for them what they're doing isn't working for the paying audience whoever it may be or whoever masters they're serving and i found that very interesting that you did say that now how difficult is it to sort of look in the mirror and say okay you know this what i'm doing because it, it, it's easy just to wake up and do the same thing you've been doing every single day just keep on going and keep on going how difficult was it to look in the mirror and go okay what this this direction i'm not fulfilled and i don't think my fans and my paying fans are not fulfilled how difficult was it to kind of look in the mirror and, and come to that realization um, well, I want to clarify that I, I am proud of all the shows we've done. Like I've always, oh sure, yeah, yeah, one hundred and ten percent. And and the other thing that is super important to me, and I always tell this to everyone in the wrestling business, is like I cherish the fact that people choose to spend their leisure money and what I consider more important, their leisure time with us. You know, they work all week, they got one night off, and they choose to bring it to our show. You know. Um, and they choose to spend their money on our show. So the second you lose track of that, you need to get out of this business. So I always cherish that fact, and I'm very proud of the shows we put on and, and everything. But um, the thing is, you you know, you have to realize that this business, it always moves forward. It doesn't stay the same. Anybody who's anybody in this business from, you know, the people I've learned from, whether it's Paul Heyman or, you know, now Triple H or whatever, I mean, they always progress forward. Um, and you have to honestly look at yourself. You know, I just passed my 25th anniversary of the first show I worked in the locker room. You can not be honest with yourself and have something, you know, super hot for two years, maybe. And I've seen a lot of these, you know, red hot darling indies come and go, um, without getting into names because that'll get me in trouble on the internet. But you know, there's there's now <laughs> r- rumors of what you know. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I've learned that too. But there's, you know, I mean, even like there's rumors of a one that's on TV now that might not have another season and they were the darling for what seasons one and two or something, you know. Um, but in order to kind of last through time, you you need to honestly look and figure out what's working and what's not working. And if you don't have the ability to do that, I don't think you're going to last. And I, I think you're doing yourself a disservice. You're just fooling yourself. Um, so it's it's not difficult for me to do it all. I always honestly assess the shows and when i watch them back i try to i'm still a fan you know first and foremost so if i'm not enjoying it as a fan i know that no one else is um and it's it's honesty you know if you're if you're not gonna be honest with yourself you're not gonna ever learn or grow or develop at anything never mind just pro wrestling booking anything in life one more question about the new direction, and I think we can get into the me- mechanics and meat and potatoes of, of, uh, of the behind the scenes of the deal, and you can definitely avoid a lot of those questions. Uh, but do you acknowledge that by, by shifting gears to this direction, that this may run off the existing hardcore independent wrestling fan who really doesn't want anything to do with a WWE product? You know, and it's been no secret that you've been aligned with them for some time, but but now it's 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 now showing in 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 the product itself that 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 alignment is there in exchange for potentially growing the brand with new fans. I mean, is this is do you acknowledge this might be that situation where you might have to run people off in order to bring new people in? 
I mean, that's something I, I hate to admit, but it is a fact that we knew there might not be some people who are on board with this direction. Um, at the same time, you know, your, your podcast friends there, you know, are, are some of those people. So, you know, we, we were running the, the risk of that, which, which we knew. But at the same time, we had um, 40 tickets sold for our September show in Joppa and 140 tickets sold for our, our show at Laboom, which is our home base and our, our best market. And that's not an amount of tickets to be bragging about by any means. And it was a low advance. We announced Velveteen Dream on about 10 days notice before Labor Day weekend. So it wasn't even like it was a clean 10 days. And we had record attendances in both cities. Um, you know, in June, we went to Melrose Mass and we packed that building for the first time. We had over double the people there because we had Adam Cole on the card. So to me, the fans have really spoken there, you know, and, and when you are in a situation where, where you look at it and you have 40 tickets sold for a show and you're supposed to be this huge indie, like, the, the fans have spoken there and granted Joppa isn't our best market. I love going there. I love working with MCW there, but you know, 40 tickets is 40 tickets, 140 tickets in New York city is 140 tickets in New York city. Like the message there is pretty loud and clear. So yeah, we, we knew that there was definitely a risk and um, you know, hopefully some of those people do come back and check out what we're doing. Cause we're still going to be featuring great wrestling. It's going to be, kind of something new i look forward to kind of booking it a little bit differently and stuff and maybe it'll catch on with those people but you know i compare it to you know radiohead sounded like they were the beatles and then they threw all that out and came out i think it was with okay computer and uh, they lost a lot of fans there but they're still here loud and clear you know my favorite band neurosis who's a huge influence to me they were a punk band and then one album later, they brought in keyboards and samples and they lost the whole punk fan base. And here they are 25 years later. So um, sometimes those are creatively changes you have to make to refresh yourself. And also when you do get those messages from the fans, from the ticket sales, that's another thing, you know. So, um, you know, um, Progress is a great example. They've they've sell out everywhere they go. So they've made kind of a similar change. It's no secret. They're kind of in the pipeline too. And they didn't have to blow up the product to do it. You know, it's different on the UK, but with us and where our business was, um, it's not like, you know, it's not like we were the red hot indie right now. And we just threw that out the window. We, we needed a change. And unfortunately, you know, we might lose some fans as a result and, and, uh, but hopefully they give us a chance once things settle and it definitely was a shock to the system at Evolve 114. So maybe once things kind of, they look at the lineups that we have for this Friday in Detroit and the Saturday in Chicago, where that's kind of more of what the vision's going to be going forward. Maybe they'll get interested. So we'll see. And I do understand there's just people who want, you know, independent, completely independent. And I've been playing the independent game since 2002 and uh, it's, it's, it's a tough game to play, you know? Well, it's actually kind of interesting, and, and and we talked about this, I think, a little bit uh, last week on the show. Is is you know, I like it in a lot of ways, and and you were involved in this as well. Is is you know, when when you were, you, you, I forget the exact terminology, or whatever. When when RH moved on, and, and obviously went to, to to different bookers, and and your your kind of tenure there w w was finished. It was kind of the same sort of thing. Is like the, the the thing that we heard from people was, oh, they wanted to grow, they wanted to expand, they wanted to move on, or whatever. And we see that you know, it was in, and and I'm one of those people as well that like when you were ousted. From 
from from Ring of Honor. I you know I was like, oh screw this, I'm done with this product or whatever. Slowly but surely, I kind of got back and and I sort of got back into it, and then a lot of other people did as well. And then of course, as you said, the big picture thing is you know knowing that they were owned by Sinclair and all you know and that stuff. I was like, ah, it's not the same. It's not the same. And, and maybe it's not the same Ring of Honor, but there's no denying now that I go to Ring of Honor shows and the attendance is no. If I I enjoyed the shows that you put a little bit more, but there is double the amount of people at the shows now. And like you know, I go these I go to these shows now, and it's insane to see the crowds that are here. And I'm always kind of taken aback by that because like maybe my tastes have changed, and, and maybe I've sort of said, ah, you know, this this is my you know Ring of Honor. This is the Ring of Honor that I love. And I'm sure there will be people that will forever look back at whatever the other periods of Evolve were and and say, oh no, that was my Evolve and that was that or whatever. But as you said, the, the, it's it's kind of the big picture thing. You might lose some of those people. You, I, I'm glad you mentioned those bands as well because bands go through that that transformation period all the time of like, hey, we're going to lose some of our normal, our, 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 our diehard fans, but it's about the big picture in some ways. And maybe they go away, but we gain, you know, X amount of more fans or whatever. So I just found that kind of interesting that it, it, it did seem in, in some ways similar, not exactly, but, but similar to kind of the ring of honor uh, and, and, and what sort of happened when you were there as well. Did, did you, did do you notice any parallels with that at all? Um, <laughs> I gotta bite my tongue on a bunch of stuff. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Um, Don't get in trouble. Uh, yeah, you know. No, but to... I, I, I would say that you know, like I said, Revolve wasn't exactly the super red hot indie. Sure. Uh, you know, two months ago or whatever. So I, I think there's a difference there. Um, and um, you know, it, it is also just looking at everything that's kind of in entertainment. I mean, you can't, everything's got to kind of change and evolve with the times for lack of a better word. And like, that's the name of the promotion evolve. Like you can't expect to get the same promotion when it's called evolve, you know? Well, and, like... and I think one of the thing that's interesting about that too, not, not to cut you off, but like for people, I mean, evolve has like, from what you started as, I mean, from literally before you even started a show, it got completely blown up. And then like the, you know, few shows then got blown up again. Like it has been, as you said, it's went through the different periods throughout just the history of evolve itself. And, and I get, you know, I, and, and I totally understand people that might look at it and go, Oh my God, this is, you know, it's completely changed now. But that's kind of the point is that it is going to, uh, you know, very often, again, lack of a better term, evolve. And it has done that a few times. So so I think it is kind of interesting that you have gone through these different life cycles. It's not like there's been one thing that evolves been for the last five years. And then in one night you said, nuts to all that. We're doing this now. It has sort of been ebb and flowing depending on on a bunch of different factors. Yeah. So it's it's called evolve and it's going to evolve some more. Um, maybe some of this talent is around short term, maybe some of it's around long term, you know, that's going to evolve. Every aspect's going to evolve and I'm going to evolve. So I'm going to want to see different things, you know, like uh, Rush is, you know, one of my favorite bands since I was a kid and every album they've done has been different, you know, so like, and there's errors of Rush that I hate that I won't listen to. Um, so like, I understand it might not be for all the fans all the time, but you know, we're going to, we're going to keep moving forward because that's what I believe in. And that's what I like to do. It keeps things interesting for me. You know, I can't book the same card over and over again, you know, in the same style over and over again, that gets boring for me. I learn new things. I've learned an incredible amount, um, in the last year and a half, just going down to NXT and, and being around some of the best creative people, um, that, that I've ever been around. And I mean, well, I've really only been around Paul Heyman and ECW. I went basically 2002 to, you know, a couple of years ago, just kind of working with talent, but not really having mentors besides Heyman, who I could call once in a while. Now I have a whole series of people that I'm learning from. So like, of course, my viewpoints of things are going to change and I'm going to keep picking up and learning new things. And I'm going to want to incorporate those things. I'm going to keep meeting new talent and I'm going to want to give that new talent a chance. You know, I, I like Jesse a lot. I like um, Adrian J. Ode a lot. I like Dan Matha. You know, I don't know 
who's going to make it and who's not, but I, I enjoy working with those talents. I'm going to want to bring them in and give them a shot. You know, at the same time, I know Fabian Eichner and Street Profits, if they were not in WWE, they'd be probably two of the top indie ta- – well, they'd definitely be two of the top indie acts, if not the top two indie acts right now. So those guys are no-brainers to bring them in, but give them the indie experience, you know, give them a different experience and at the PC. And that's what you're going to see this Friday and this Saturday – that's what this whole transformation is all about, and it's going to keep happening in different forms. So how did it all come together? We already established that you know this wasn't a rushed decision. This was something that was in the pipeline. It was going to come at some point. Did you pitch this to them? Did they pitch it to you? Because Rich and I have been screaming for years that WWE should be taking advantage of these relationships and sending their younger and more inexperienced talent to get that experience in different environments other than working that Largo loop over and over and the same PC structure doing different things. So was it just a matter of you earning their trust before they would uh, agree to something like this or how did it all come together? Walk us through that. I mean, now is a huge thing is, is earning their trust. I had to earn their trust. And uh, you know, I will say that like a a lot of the booking um, that I've done has been part of that. You know, the, the from that infamous leaked email you know where it said no pal drivers and stuff when all of a sudden everybody was like oh my god they don't do power drivers power drivers had been banned with us for a year before that that same list of rules and everything had been going on for a year before that no one had noticed until there was a leaked email with that list in it and um, granted there's exceptions to the rules and whatnot but like that was all kind of part of of earning their trust and showing what we're about and and um, then just the fact that things don't happen overnight in that company. There's a lot of people involved. There's a lot of legalities. Um, there's lots of different factors. But it was something that was kind of always on the forefront. You know, w- William Regal is the reason all this is happening because he um, he was the one who really took notice of what I've done and what, what we've done with Evolve and, and my history and everything. And now it's before the Cruiserweight Classic. And then he kind of brought my attention to triple h well you know it takes a long time to get to know somebody like triple h you know you don't get into that circle overnight so that relationship had to develop so um triple h then became the the man that really recognized okay there's a lot of value here and and one thing i'll say about him is is his level of perception and seeing things is is on a different plane than basically everybody else I've met besides Paul Heyman. Um, and he has a vision that he's five years down the road right now, you know? So when he first kind of got aware of what Evolve was and who I was and everything, you know, it's not like he gets a vision and then it has to happen the next day. That's not how things work. Um, he knew where he wanted this to be three to five years from now. And he knew the values of the independence. And he always, from the first conversation I had with him, stressed that he understood and recognized the value of the independence to having a pipeline of talent to go to WWE and the, um, and, and the value of, of talent development. You know, the, the fact that that PC even exists now is, it's just such a tremendous thing. I feel like it's been there forever, but it's only been there for five years and it's just such an amazing culture there and an amazing place to be, to learn. And that was part of his vision and took five years to get where it is right now. So it was just something that like was always kind of there and it just needed to happen. And then um, Triple H is the one who really was like, we need to make sure the Indies are strong. And then he started saying, okay, well, let's see, you've had all these guys on your roster. 
and now they're here. So how are you doing on your roster? And I'm like, okay, you know, we could use some guys. So then the idea <laughs> is the wheels start turning and stuff. And that's what, and it's no secret because like when we needed guys, we had Alistair Black a while ago. We had, you know, when we had the issue where Davey Richards, who I like, I'm not burying him at all, but you know, something came up and he couldn't do our shows. I, I think it was an injury. I don't even remember at this point. And last minute, you know, he sent a Cedric Alexander. So he's always kind of been there to kind of replenish the talent roster. And now we're able to do it in a more official way and also in a way that instead of these guys coming in and just being guest stars we can incorporate them into storylines and incorporate them into angles and show them on club wwn which i can't believe i've talked this long and not plugged club wwn where there's no more dark matches you can see every single match 9.99 a month all the events live so um you know that's just it's just been kind of everything kind of goes in steps you know so it's been one step after another, and, and that's how we've gotten here. But indeed, you know, it started with William Regal kind of recognizing everything and bringing it to Triple H's attention, and then Triple H just ha- having that value in the indies and, and realizing, you know, that that, it, that the indies need to exist and they need to, they, you know, they, they need to have power to draw fan interest. Um, and, and there's a value in that. So that's how all that all kind of came together. So you, so you've earned a trust. Uh, William Regal has this idea. You earn triple H's, uh, trust, uh, over a period of time. You're, you're going to these NXT shows down in Florida and you're, and you're, and you're working with the talent, you're seeing the talent. So walk us through, how does the process of actually picking the talent to come work with you on these shows? How does that go? Are these talents that you want to get your claws into? Cause you see something in them. Are these talent that the, the, the company, uh, that WWE wants to send you for seasoning or is it a combination of all those things? And, and the follow-up to that would be, does the talent have a say? Because I think a lot of people are wondering that as well. Rich talked about it last week on our show. Uh, Is the talent just being sent there by their employer or are these talents that are raising their hands saying, Hey, I would love this experience. Um, Well, there's a lot of different aspects of that question. So first I, I will say that everything at NXT is, is a team effort. Uh, there's definitely no I there. So everything is a team effort and, um, it's an, like I said it before and it sounds like ass kissing, but it's not, it's an amazing culture. It's, it's a culture that I didn't really want to, like, I didn't, I I never really desired to be there. You know, I was never like a goal. Like I want to go to the PC all the time. And once I got there and got to be a part of that culture, I I wish I was at the PC right now. I want to be there as often as I can. I I absolutely like love it there. And again, this is coming from a guy who, if you asked me that question three years ago or even two years ago, or even maybe even a year and a half ago, I'd be like, eh, yeah, you know, that's cool. If I'm down there, that's okay. If not, whatever, you know, and now like, it's just amazing. Like there's not a better place to be. So everything's kind of a, a team effort there. So that even trickles down to the talent. So I will say like the, t- and I don't want to say trickles down cause that's might be construed wrong, but whatever that goes to the talent. There's this misconception that the talent is just like forced to do these things in order to do these things. Um, it, it, that's not the case at all. Even from like, you know, the music or whatever, like people have say in their stuff there. Um, and, I've made it clear too that, and, and I believe that this is again, part of the team where the rest of the team believes in this, you know, we don't want talent going to evolve that doesn't want to be there. Um, and I, I, at the same time, you know, I, I going back to valuing people's money. I don't want them to see talent that doesn't want to be there. 
because they're not going to get the best performance possible. So everybody that you see on the Evolve show is by no means forced to be there. In fact, even like Adam Cole was given the option. He didn't have to do that show for us. He did it because he actually told me probably a decade ago or however long it was, years and years ago, that he promised to come back and do a show. So he's making good on that. Velveteen Dream wanted to do that weekend, you know? So um, all the guys that are there want to be there. If they don't want to be there, we're not going to take them. So, and I make sure to talk to the talent before they're booked. So 100% to dispel that whole, all that talk. Everybody who's at Evolve wants to be at Evolve. And if they didn't, they wouldn't be there. Um, so going back to the rest of the question is they, you know, that we all kind of know our place on the team too. And, you know, I, I will kind of recommend talent that I feel would best benefit from this experience. Um, you know, like, like a whole bunch of names are thrown around and like, for instance, like an Oni Lorcan or Danny Birch or Keith Lee, like they have nothing more to prove on the indie so they wouldn't benefit. You know, Cassius Ono is coming back because he's a ticket seller, you know, <laughs> so we, we will bring in guys that are ticket sellers. But like for the most part, like um, we, I want names who I feel would be stars on the indies if they were on the indies, but never had the chance to be on the indies. So Street Profits and Fabian Eichner are right there at the top of the list. Um, and, and that's who I'd like to continue to bring. And I, I'm, you know, I know what these guys bring to the table because I've worked with them. I've, I've seen them a lot. And um, I, I want to bring like fresh talent to the Indies. It's always great to kind of have the homecoming thing, you know, like Mustafa Ali coming back to Chicago on on saturday that that's a cool thing i i love to have that kind of stuff you know velveteen dream going back to the the mcw arena in joppa was that kind of thing i, I think that's super cool but like i i don't want to bring back the same faces you know that the people have already seen you know a dijakovic people have seen them you know so let's bring the street profits let's bring fabian and there's a lot of other great talent there and you know we'll see who pops up down the line and everything but let's bring them in. Let's let's let them get the experience of being on the indies. Let's give fans new matches to see, new wrestlers to see. Um, you know, an entirely new experience, a completely fresh product, and let's make that work. But you know, all those kind of decisions. Once again, it's it's all part of a team, and I'm thrilled to be part of that team. And and you know, you're still trying to make a profit here. I think people forget that. So just from a straight business perspective, um, I mean, if if some or all of the cost associated with this talent is being paid by Big Brother, I mean, doesn't that increase your margins right off the bat without even adding a single fan, without selling a single extra ticket? Because now half of your card is made up with talent, which in part is being paid by somebody else. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying who's paying for what or anything. Um, you know, we're still an independent company. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm not going, I'm always going to put whatever show I'm going to put the best possible show we can put on within our budget at all times. Cause we owe that to the people paying for tickets. So it's, I would say like financial considerations are probably the, the last box checked on all this. Um, what the things that are important to me, like I just said, are, are talent that I feel would be stars on the indies if they had the chance and, and giving them that chance and giving the fans fresh matches, a fresh product, you know, something unique, something different, uh, as I going back to the beginning, something different to the marketplace. So, you know, the financial considerations are kind of the, the least of my considerations at, at this point. I, 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 you know, we know what our budget is. One thing that you got to, if people need to realize about me is, you know, we might not be the best paying indie, but I've been doing this since 
2002 and surviving since, you know, after ROH and all that for a reason, because I, I know how to make a budget and I know how to, I know what people are worth and I know how to make that work within our budget. So, um, but again, like this isn't a financial thing for me. It's a, let's give the fans something unique and interesting mm-hmm. and the rest will come because I think if you start worrying about putting on the cheapest show possible, then you are going to fail. You know, you, if, if, if that's what you're worried about, then, then you will fail. If you know what your budget is and you work within your budget while putting on the best possible show you can put on, then you're going to be successful. So that's where, where I try to go with all of this. And, you know, I, I, I want to still have a huge focus on independent talent. So when you look at that show, the Evolve 114, where we've nuked everything up, look what our main event was. Our main event was six of our guys that we're really featuring moving forward. You know, J.D. Drake, who has been absolutely phenomenal for us. Anthony Henry, who I think is the most improved wrestler this year. I mean, this guy is not getting enough credit right now. Darby Allen, who's become the face of the company um, at this point. You know, he rose from the opening match to being the face of the company. Austin Theory, who is the top prospect probably in all of wrestling right now. Um, A.R. Fox, who's like as consistent, puts in the hard work, exciting. I mean, a true indie veteran at this point, does a phenomenal job with the students. And Harlem Bravado, who just did exactly what I love to hear people doing. He went over to England for two years to reinvent himself and he didn't even work any like the internet savvy indies over there. You know, he, he, he worked something like 300 matches in the last two years and, you know, he's trained in Japan and everything. So we still featured those guys on top and they tore the house down in a ladder match. It's one of my favorite matches in Evolve history. So like, we're still going to have that eye on the top indie talent. And if it works in our budget, we're going to bring them in. Um, so it's, it's going to be from top to bottom, you know, just putting on the best show that we possibly can. And again, maybe that's my fault as, as a creative person is I don't care about the finances that much. So it's not a financial thing for us. So and we're going to talk a little bit about one, uh, 115 and 116 here in a moment, because I think, like you said, it, it, it sort of, in a way, sort of shows your vision moving forward. But I think one thing that, that was interesting, and it, it's something that you alluded to at the beginning of the interview, but you said that you have sort of changed as a booker, and the things that you look for and the things that you look at have changed. Is that going to be reflected for people that are sort of now have an eye on Evolve? Is that going to be reflected in the talents that come over uh, from NXT and from uh, you know other places? Is it now going to be, because you know, everybody, they sort of know you and, and, and know Evolve, and know you know your, your past bookings as as sort of work rate you know great matches great sort of stuff like that and you yourself have said that you've kind of changed a little bit and you've you've adapted to new styles and and, and going to the pc has sort of changed your mind on, on some things is it going to be reflected in the talent that we see in evolve is it only just going to be guys that you think are great workers or is it going to be guys and girls that that have other aspects and other attributes that that you think might be valuable it's going to be anyone who who i feel would be a star if they had a chance on the indies um and that might take a lot of different forms and and I do understand that people come to see great wrestling and they come to be entertained from start to finish. So if it's someone that I feel can, can put on good wrestling and be entertaining and fill a hole that we need on our roster, that's who it'll be. Um, you can't survive on work rate anymore. That's, that's a definite because there's just so much great wrestling now all over the place. Like back in the ring of honor days, we could survive solely on work rate. 
Um, now it's like, you know, there's a five-star match by Meltzer. But back in the day, like, and I'm trying, when I say back in the day, it's in the 2000s. If Meltzer gave a match like five stars, you'd have a thousand DVDs fly off the shelf as soon as it was sold. You know, now if he gives a five-star match, people might go watch it once and then like it's forgotten about, <laughs> you know, like there was one, I think in the G one tournament and I didn't even hear any buzz about it. You know, I couldn't even tell you what it was like. People used to, they used to stand out so much that people would like have it memorized. What, you know, here's the six, five star matches from the last 10 years, you know, and now it just happens all the time. And, and there's just, you know, this is a testament to the talent out there, but there's just so many great matches, you know, two Oh five live, like kills it every week. There's like great matches on that. Um, you know, NXT, you look at every single takeover and on TV sometimes, you know, um, and then never mind all the other shows that are out there that are doing all sorts of stuff. So you, you can't survive on work rate because it doesn't resonate. You know, Young Bucks versus Omega and Ibushi from January was like one of the greatest matches I've ever seen with storytelling and just everything. And like now it's getting to be match of the year season and I hardly even hear about it, you know? So it's like, it's, it's crazy to me. So you have to have good to great wrestling because that's what the standard is now. And we will always have that, but you know, it's, you kind of got to go in some different directions and, and um, you know, I, I see things a little bit differently now. So you know, I, I'm not looking to change our absolute core values that, that you've come to expect from us, but you will see some some different things moving forward. We know you're running short on time, so uh, tell us about these shows this weekend. What we got coming up? Sell us on them. All right. <laughs> well, we got kind of everything's kind of coming together on these shows. You know, like like the um, I'm just going to grab the lineups because now I'm getting a little bit tired, but like. Um, you know, the first show was definitely just us dropping a nuclear bomb on everything and nuking everything. The, <laughs> these shows coming up this this Friday, we're in the Detroit area, this Saturday in the Chicago area. This is more kind of the vision of what it's going to be like with with the top NXT guys, uh, as far as I, I the guys that I see would be like stars on the indies now, mixing it up with the indie talent and then having like the big guest star and that kind of stuff. So, you know, this Friday we're coming to, um, as I said, the Detroit area. You know, we got Cassius Ono coming back to challenge for the Evolve title with, Fa- with Fabian Eichner, who's the new champion. And I will admit, you know, I booked that a little bit based off the internet response because, um, I, you know, people aren't as familiar with Fabian as I am. And Fabian is incredible. So, but at the same time, like, he's kind of got to earn his stripes with the indie crowd. And there's no one better to do that against than Cassius Ono. So, you know, kind of hot shot in that a little bit. But then you look at the Street Profits against Anthony Henry and J.D. Drake. You know, there you're talking about the top indie guys, mixing it up with the NXT guys. Mustafa Ali versus DJ Z, who was last seen on TNA TV. So that's another, you know, unique match. And they have a backstory with each other. Allison Kay uh, defending the Shine Championship against Shotzi Blackheart. That's another match where we're kind of trying to feature the women a little bit more and give a different slant. AR Fox versus Austin Theory. You know, that's pure Evolve stuff. And then underneath, we got Josh Briggs, who, who I have high hopes for. Jason Kincaid, who's returning from Japan. Harlem Bravado. Leon Ruff in a four-way freestyle. Um, and then we got some new faces coming in. You know, we got Barrett Brown coming in. We got this guy, Matt King, coming in, who I want to give a shot to. Um, we have a seminar tryout that day, so we'll see who comes out of that. But, like, you know, I, I want to also find who the next Darby Allen types are. You know, the guys that you don't know and that we can build up from the opening match and get to the main event. Um, Saturday in Chicago, we got, and Chicago is a very oversaturated market. 
you know, even coming this weekend, I know there's stiff competition, you know, all over the place. Um, so you definitely have to bring something different there, and that's what we're doing. Coming out of that ladder match that I talked about, we got J.D. Drake defending the WWN title against Austin Theory and Harlem Bravado in a uh, triple threat. Then we got Street Profits versus A.R. Fox and Leon Ruff, which would be very interesting. We got Mustafa Ali versus Darby Allen, which, like, that's just a cool match that I wanted to do. Um, Fabian Eichner versus Anthony Henry. So, you know, Henry has a good chance to mix it up with the NXT guys this weekend. And then kind of like, you know, the epitome of maybe old school booking, but with, uh, with a new twist. So this is kind of everything coming together is Cassius Ono versus uh, Shane Strickland. So that uh, there, you got a top indie guy against, you know, an NXT guy. And that's like a dream match. You're not going to be able to see anyplace else. So, you know, that's kind of the epitome of it right there. And then we got a freelance title match and uh, the same guys underneath there too. So, you know, a lot going on there. We can get tickets at ticketfly.com. And the main thing too, is you can watch us all every single match on club WWN now, and, um, you know, that's something I'm also proud of that's kind of developed this year where we started out as kind of a VOD service on those two week delays. And then we we it was VOD on like three days. And then finally it got to, um, you know, where 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 everything's live. Every single WWN family show is live for nine ninety nine a month. And you do get the VOD library as well with, you know, it's over a thousand hours of from 500 shows. So there's a lot going on there. It's following the same, you know, same uh, model as the WWE Network. So, um, you know, check it out, Club WWN. You buy that, you get to see all these matches and more for your $9.99 this month. So um, I think that covered everything. I just want to say one other thing, too, about that podcast you guys were friends with that no longer exists. Like, I just want to be clear on that, that, like, like, I don't care what you say about my booking or, like, stuff you know you can say whatever you want about the product and about my booking and everything but they got really uh, on a personal attack on on a couple of those episodes and you know i think it was really uncalled for and it was really malicious and it was really something to to you know they were given some some salacious material and they they made the most of it to get as many hits as possible and that's kind of where I got to the point where I didn't want to acknowledge them. You know, even before all that happened, I would have people from our locker room say, I can't believe you retweet those guys or whatever, you know, they're, they're saying all this stuff about the show and like, that's fine. They're paying customers. You can say whatever you want about the show. I don't care, but you know, they, they got really personal stuff. So I just want to make that clear since I know it's kind of been discussed on, on your network over the times or whatever. So I just want to get my side out there. I think the, um, the Aaron's they're, they, they, they are good guys. I think that if, uh, and I know you talk to them privately as well. So I know that this isn't something that, you know, you're just, uh, um, throwing them under the bus, uh, with no regard or whatnot. But I, I do think if you, uh, if, uh, if you reach out to them, then that maybe I would like to see these two parties clear the air is what I'm getting at Gabe. I think that, um, if you did reach out to those guys like, like you have in the past and, and, uh, you can hash some of this out and I, I would hope to see that even though they're not doing the show anymore, um, because, um, you know, I know that they're good guys. I know them personally. Um, we've had a relationship, uh, with you. I mean, we, we joked about you not being on the show for six years, but we've had conversations with you. And, and, and I think that, uh, that, that our listeners know that. And, and I, I think that, um, if I could just play mediator for a second, I think that if you do, Joel uh, has an expert mediator, by the way, what a weird position for you. I'm gonna let you do it. You're doing a great job. So just keep on Other going. Other than so. Gabe, I'm in, I'm in trouble on the internet more than any, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but I mean, yeah, I, I do think that, 
uh, you know, reasonable minds can disagree on, on certain things. And, and, uh, and, and I have found uh, you to be reasonable. And I, I know the Aaron's are good guys. They're reasonable guys. And even if you can't find common ground on, on, on some issues, I, I do think um, it would be nice to see you guys finally hash it all out. And I, I, I know that, uh, you know, I just spoke to Aaron Tobb today and, and I know he's more than, more than willing to do that. In fact, he was anxious because he was curious whether we had recorded this yet or not. And he wanted to know if he came up. So I'll be letting him know that he did in fact come up, but, uh, but yeah, so it's, I, it's really a shame to, to see it all in that, that way where it's gotta be so contentious. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, I even respect the fact they don't want to do the show anymore because it's, it's, you know, it's changed. So, you know, or, or Evolve has changed. So, you know, I respect that fact. But, you know, it was just, it, you know, some of the stuff they said that they just kind of threw out there, which I, I, I did DM them. I don't know which Aaron it was. I don't know the difference. But, um, they, you know, and, and honestly, like, they, the response that I got back was kind of like, well, you know, if we knew this about you, then blah, we wouldn't have said all this stuff. But it's like, you know, I'm sorry I didn't detail my intimate personal life, you know, stuff that I wasn't comfortable talking about at the time to you, you know, so whatever. But I just want to get that off my chest. Again, like, I just don't like the misconception that, like, I'm, you can insult me by, you know, insulting the shows or I take that wrong. You can, you can say whatever you want about the shows. I don't take that personal. I mean, it's a little bit personal because I'm putting myself out there, but I understand <laughs> it's, it's an opinion. And if you care enough to watch it, uh, I value your opinion, you know? So like, I, and if you have a bad opinion, like, or you don't like it, then I'm cool with that. I understand that it's cool, you know? So I just want to just put that out there, you know? I, I will say this to be fair. You have always told us privately, it, it, if we got to trash something, trash it. It's just, you, you know, that comes with the territory. So, um, you know, but again, I'm just trying to help extend olive branches both ways. So maybe there was a little <laughs> cool. bit of progress made. We need a, we need a mega powers <laughs> handshake at uh many a weekend or something. That we can yeah. do or I would love to broker that. I think that'd be a great photo op that, that, that no one wants, but me. But uh, yeah, you know, all you got to say is whatever. No one wants to hear this. So I'm done with it. But you'd uh, be surprised. I, yeah, people, people, love drama. people are going to. Yeah, you said all this great stuff and all these uh, interesting I know. details. How do I, I, I could have just ended it at the plug and not had any. You had it. You had it. But you're, you know, you're, you're you. You can't, you can't change you. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> and we've Maybe got a lot why. in common. Uh, my mouth gets me in trouble every week on this thing. So yeah. it's. Uh, <laughs> It's, uh, maybe maybe it's I waiting. should stop doing these things. So maybe we'll <laughs> go another six years or something. So, <laughs> oh man, you killed you just oh, killed my outro. Us, though. You yeah. killed my outro. I was I was just gonna say thanks for coming on, and we'll talk to you in six years. And, and and you stomped all over it, but uh, I'm gonna say it anyway. Listen, thanks for coming on. We appreciate you giving us uh, your time here, and we'll talk again in 2024. I appreciate it, and I when, want to thank everyone booking, out there. When you're booking WrestleMania, we'll talk in 2020. Let's not go crazy here. <laughs> but, um, hey, I do want to say that I, I do appreciate everyone that's going to give the, the new Evolve a, a chance, and, you know, we, we value that greatly. And um, also anybody who just spent all this time listening to me, because I know I'm not the funniest or most exciting talker. So thank you for listening to me all this time. And I hope it was a good use of your time. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So Evolve 115, of course, going on November 9th. You can watch it on Club WWN on WNLive.com. You can also attend live in the Detroit suburbs. Also Evolve 116, Oakland, Illinois, Chicago suburbs, November 10th as well. Uh, you can watch it on Club WWN and WWN Live. Gabe Spolsky, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it.
All right, we are back here on the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. Of course, that was Gabe Sapolsky uh, talking a little bit about Evolve. And uh, it was a really good interview as well. I think a lot of really good stuff uh, there. Some little nuggets to take and, and, and some interesting things. I think, you know, we one thing that I really liked about it was was the approach. And, and, and Gabe's always been an open book. And again, we, we talked about it. It was like, you know, six years and 2,000 days since the last time uh, he came onto the show. And and I remember even at that time, we, we still regard of like, why the hell did he come onto the show? And he just gave us everything. <laughs> like, we were nobodies. We were nothing. But he's always an open book, and you just got to figure out, you know, the, the the best way to kind of get it out of him. But it was pretty cool to see him just be, you know, very open to us and and talk about the relationship because I and I think he answered a lot of questions as well, a lot of questions that I had last week uh, about Evolve and 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 questions that we had a lot of listeners that were asking, okay, what's the future of Evolve? What's going on? Uh, what do you think uh, of the interview? Because I thought it went, I thought it went great. I think um, I think our listeners will learn a lot about the Evolve relationship with WWE moving forward. And uh, I mean, because as you said, even last week, we we had all of these questions because we didn't know what was going on yet because we hadn't talked to anybody. And um, I think that now, um, you know, I think that was some good insight. And I think people will have learned something after listening to that. So, um, yeah, I think it was a good spot. Uh, Joe, really quickly, uh, did you want to talk uh, Evolve 115 and 116 as well? Because uh, he, he gave a little bit of the hype there uh, as well. But I think there's some pretty cool stuff there that i want to talk about i think uh you know in 115 it's awesome to see uh cassius ono uh, and he mentioned him as one of the guys that definitely wanted to come back to evolve and that was one of his decisions and and we knew that too last remember we, we discussed it last week when there was when anybody even asked hey who wants to go to evolve? we we, we all kind of assumed that ono would be the first one to say hey, hey, hey me 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 because we know that that's what his true love is is going out there scrapping on the indies or whatnot but he's getting the paycheck now so i can't blame him at all but i think it's fun to see him mix up this weekend as well he's in the main event uh evolve 115 against fabian eichner uh, for the evolve championship and then I really, really love that the match at Evolve 116, man. Cassius Ono versus Shane Strickland. I think Gabe mentioned it as well, that it felt very much like we're talking about all this transformed stuff, but that that's an old school. That's like Evolve 70 right there. You know, Chris Hero versus Shane Strickland. That's like a, a you know first-time-ever dream match, as, he, as he's saying. That's classic Gabe there, too. They put that little title on it as well. But I think Ono's weekend really has me excited. I know there's a few friends that I have uh, locally that have now decided that they want to go to the show because of his presence. So, I mean, it speaks volumes to to what he can what he can do at, at this level. I, I didn't want to say it while we were talking to him, and I think I mentioned it last week, but I, I didn't want to say say it while we were talking to him because I didn't want to sound like I was just kissing his ass, but Fabian Ochner is really fucking good. I mean, I've been a big fan of that guy for a long time. I think he's been underutilized in WWE. We know that they, you know, slow roll these guys sometimes, and you know, you get on the fast path if you already have an established name. We all we all know that, and he's a guy who, yeah, he was a somewhat of a name on the on the European scene, but definitely not someone who came in with a ton of indie cred. I think we could all agree on that. Oh but, God, no, yeah. But but I've never not been impressed with him, and I and you could hear how excited Gabe was about Fabian Octor. He even admits that he was so excited about the guy that he just rushed the title onto him too quickly. I mean, he admitted it uh, in that interview um, a couple of, uh, you know, twice. And, and, but, but you can see why he's so excited about this guy because he really is awesome. And I, and I do agree that if he were just a straight up independent wrestler, he would be a top guy that would work everywhere. Um, I don't know if I necessarily agree that the street profits would be uh, maybe Ford. I don't agree with Dawkins. I think Ford is clearly the star of that act. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly. I, I think it speaks volumes that, that go look at, you know, we, and we've laughed about it too. Go look at Angela Dawkins, you know, 
cage match <laughs> and then like how long he's been in the PC. I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe this might be a transit, you know, this might be the exact thing that he needs. It's kind of a kick in the ass because that dude legit has been in the performance center since 2012. I mean, like as long as we've been doing the show, last time we talked to Gabe, <laughs> Angel Dawkins was, was mucking it up in the, in the performance center. And he's gone over, you know, 15 different gimmicks. There was, you know, I have a backpack and I live in New York. Angelo Dawkins, which we always laugh about. Yeah. There was a uh, member amateur wrestler, Angelo Dawkins. That yeah, was a thing yeah, for a little yeah. while. Uh, I mean, he's went under. I mean, he's lived. He's lived Connor lives in the performance center. That's that's really saying something because Connor's been there since like fucking mid south. You mucking up with Kenny Omega or whatever. So, but this might be the kicking ass for him. But no, I, I agree with you. Ford Ford strikes me as a guy who who has big picture, you know, star potential. I, I don't know about Dawkins, but we'll see. Maybe this is the kick in the ass he kind of needs. I listen. I mean, Ford jumps off the screen. Yes, Dawkins is a guy. I you know, and it's like I don't, I don't, you know. But but the thing about it is, this is like last chance for Angelo Dawkins. He's been there forever. Um, if I'm Angelo Dawkins, I am just praying that he doesn't get thrown through that, that, you know, barbershop window for, you know, as long he needs to, ex- <laughs> the, the life of the street profits needs to extend as long as possible for Angelo Dawkins. I mean, if I'm Angelo Dawkins, I'm hit before I hit my pillow every night. Okay. I am hoping and praying that they keep this act together for the call up. I think if they split up the street profits before they get called up, Ford's getting called up. Ford has a chance to be a star. But if they split them up before the call up, I don't know if Dawkins ever gets the call. This tag team was a blessing for Angelo Dawkins. I just, I don't see it with him. Ford mm-hmm. jumps off the screen. Dawkins is a guy. Fabian Ackner, when people, maybe if people aren't familiar with him, when when he, when you do get familiar with him, you'll see what people see in Fabian. That guy is a tremendous athlete. He looks like a million bucks. I mean, you can't not think the world of that guy uh, when you see him, but uh, yeah, and you know, Cassius Ono, you just get the feeling that he was a guy who, you know, I talked in the interview about, you know, was their talent that was raising their hand, wanting to do this, and I talked about it last week. If I'm an NXT talent or a performance center talent that's really not getting a ton of TV time, and you're working that endless Largo loop, I would be dying to do these shows. You know, I said it last week. I mean, I think it's a great career opportunity. And you just know Ono as a guy who was just raising his hand because, you know, like Gabe said, he's there to sell tickets. This isn't, he isn't in the same boat as some of these other people we're talking about. He's there to be, you know, a headliner and, 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 and help sell some tickets to the show. But the guy just loves to wrestle. You know what I mean? Nobody had to twist his arm to get him to go do that. God, I mean, no, he, no. He, Jesus, he's loving yeah, it. He was the first so, one to stand up. Yeah. And I think, he, I think a guy like Cassius Ono, it'll be, it, he'll take it as, a sense of pride to put Fabian Ackner over and make sure that people see Fabian Ackner as, as, as a major force. And, 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 and he's going to work his ass off to make sure he has the best match possible with that guy. I don't think there's any doubt. And, you know, Shane Strickland too. So yeah. Oh um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I agree. The Oh no weekend is a big weekend. You're, you're, you're dead on about that. And, um, you know, you, we've got our freelance offer match, which we always get in, in oh, yes. Illinois, yeah. as you know. Yeah, yeah. going to Chicago. I, say, I feel like it's, it's always kind of the same. This is GPA is in this one. Usually it's Matt Nix uh, and Isaiah Velasquez, but this time it's uh, GPA comes in there, which is a much better move. And I, I, I love Matt Nix as a, as a person. He's a good guy, but uh, it's time to feature some other people if you uh, want freelance to uh, to grow and, and people to be aware of it because it's not a great look when uh, somebody who's not great <laughs> wrestles in the match. So Nobody buries, no one buries Matt Nix harder than Rich Krejci. I, you he just used to be good. He used to be really good, but it's like, you know, it's a, it's, he's going to stop know, shaking at, your hand. At some point he's going to, I know, you know. I ask, that, that's a good match right there. That's, that's a match. And that's like a real feud that they do there. It freelance as well. So that'd be pretty cool. But yeah, that uh, Chicago show looks really good. And um, I, I really like the, uh, 
uh, the Livonia one as well, because of the Fabian Eichner, Cassius Stone, as we mentioned, um, Mustafa Ali, DJ Z. I mean, come on, that's going to be pretty awesome as well. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the Chicago one, the two th- matches that really stick out to me, uh, Mustafa Ali and Darby Allen again, that, that of course speaks, uh, and then Ono versus Shane Strickland stands out, but there's a bunch of stuff on all those shows. And I think, and Gabe alluded to it a little bit as well. And, and, and I wonder, and, and I didn't, we didn't get chances. We had, you know, obviously limited time in the interview, but I was wondering your stance. Cause, cause Gabe kind of, and he admitted that he maybe kind of nuked everything like real fast. Like he did the idea of like, Hey, if I'm going to pull this bandit off instead of just slowly and agonizingly pulling it, which might've been like, you know, one week Fabian Eichner shows up the next week, you know, this guy shows up the next week, the street profits show up. And the next week, this guy, like he just kind of said, fuck it. The bandaids off. Here we go. This is what we are now. Do you agree or disagree with that? That, that idea do you think that might have been the best plan or should this have been a thing that that and even he even he admits he might have been wrong do you think this may have been something that would have been better rolling it out you know over the course of a few weeks or, or was it maybe better just to say fuck it this is us now get used to it no i i think i think it was the right move if you're gonna do it just go balls out and do it because i think i mean just look at the look at the buzz surrounding evolve in the following couple of days compared to what they were usually getting for a rank and file show. So sure. We're, we're not leading people, the show off. We're not leading the show off with the, uh, you know, evolve one fifteen talk, <laughs> you know, if it, you know, any month prior to this. So yeah, no, it, it definitely no. speaks to Th- us That's personally. my point. Yeah. That's my point. I mean, pos- whether you view all these changes as positive, negative, or, or you're indifferent in terms of the, the, the future, there's no question that like you just said, you know, if evolve one fourteen had just been a rank and file show, there's no shot that we're opening up th- that we're talking about it last week, to be completely honest, and opening up with it this week and interviewing Gabe Sapolsky. It, it, it's not happening. None of this is happening. So, um, you know, and, and there's just and, and we're just a small sample, of course, but it's just there's more people talking about Evolve positive or negatively. And there's more people aware that these shows are happening. And, and you know, that's the key. Um, whether all of it works. Look, I am on record last week. I think there is a very good chance. And I, I even tried to ask this question in the interview. I think there's a very good chance that this ends up being a net positive for business. Um, I can't say it's a lock, but I, I do think there's a good chance. And I do think that they will absolutely run off your hardcore, dyed-in-the-wool, old-school Evolve fan who's been with them through the thick and thin, who has no interest in WWE or Major League Pro Wrestling and is, a, is an is a independent wrestling fan. You're going to run those people off. But the fact of the matter is there's so few of them. I mean, we just had the promoter of the company admit in an interview that we're not exactly the most red hot indie brand. That tells you all that needs to be said. I mean, there's the self-awareness there that it just wasn't something had to change. And, and if some this- of those ticket numbers as well. He mentioned, I forget the yeah. town now that he mentioned that, like, you know, having 40 or 70 tickets sold or whatever. I mean, that's eye-opening. Yeah. Like, you cannot, you know, you can't... Th- that you really got to look yourself in the mirror and then go, okay, what am I doing here? Like this is whatever we're doing. It might not be working if we're showing up to the show and we only have, you know, X amount of tickets sold and it's, it's single, you know, it's, it's double digits. That's just not enough to sustain uh, what you were doing. So, right. So Chris hero is going to sell tickets or Cassius. Oh no. I, I can't believe I did that. And Cassius yeah, I'm gonna pro- I, gonna... I still call him Chris hero. It's, it's hard. <laughs> it's tough. So Cassius Ono is going to sell tickets. And then the key there is get Fabian Ochner over. Now that the eyes are on on the show because you're there, and the key is you know down card, those guys need to get over, and and it 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 it's like you know Sapolsky said, it's, you know some will sink, some will swim, 
you know, some of these names uh, might disappear. We might see other names come in. Uh, some will make it, some won't, some will get over, some won't, and and we'll see what happens. But I, I look, I do think it'll be a net positive. And honestly, it's like, you know, what, what was going to get more attention? A drastic move like this or just trying to restock the pond again? You know, it's it's at some point you are running a business too. So I get it. You know, it, it's, and I understand why some people are like, oh, well, this is just, uh, this just feels like NXT light. I understand that point of view. I don't, you know, I get it. If that's we not call it, what we call you, it double A. Yeah, we called it double A last week. Yeah, <laughs> it's double A baseball. To, to I mean, NXT's that's exactly triple A. Is. So, yeah. I, you know, so it, those people might say, you know what, I'm going to put my time and money into beyond wrestling or whoever. You know what I mean? Pick pick any indie you want. Um, but, but I do think, Long term, I, I do think this will be a, a net positive. And honestly, it was inevitable. I think most of us could agree with that, that this was going to come. I mean, we've been screaming about it. I have no idea. And, and maybe it just was a thing where they were just waiting to earn some trust and, and get to know them a little bit. But I have no clue why WWE hasn't been farming out their prospects to progress they should have been doing it Evolve. decades. I mean, I'm not even like, well, you know, it's not like years ago, decades ago. This should have oh, been like before even the relationships. They should have been doing this. Really? Yeah. I mean, we, we I, I think as long as we've done this show, we've been saying, oh, geez, I can't believe they do that. And, and even back into the, the developmental territory era, we still thought that that wasn't enough because, yeah, you had Mid-South and you had OVW and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, that's not different. Like, you know, get get relationships across the world. Send the guys over to Japan. Send guys to Mexico. Yeah. Send guys to Europe. And we've been saying that for five, six years now. And now it's even more obvious as those different markets have grown. And, and they've, of course, put their, you know, the, the relationships in all those different places as well, is that now it's so obvious that, yeah, that, why, why not do this? Why not do that? It might have been, like, and Gabe mentioned, it might have been just building the trust of these companies. Like, all right, now we can trust Smallman and, and, and Progress enough to send some guys there. Now we can trust Sapolsky and Evolve to send guys over there, be it whoever else is the next ones. It might just have been, you know, in the works for a while. But, yeah, it's something they they – the idea of it should have been done many, many, many years ago. And we were talking about this when we first started the show when when they weren't signing any talent and, and they were just a, a, a you know a, a, a desert of talent at a point. Remember, I mean, there was times where it was like, oh my god, there's nothing coming up. It was the old Johnny Ace era of talent acquisition where it was like, ah, oh, that guy looks good in a magazine. All right, let's sign him. And it's like, all right, these guys are not you're not getting anything from these guys. And, and it's been a complete rehaul of what they've done. And and there's been some good and there's been some bad. And we've obviously talked about the performance center many times, but we. As long as the performance center has been there, we said that's not enough. It's not enough there to work, you know, a headlock class, you know, wearing a helmet. Like, that's not nearly enough. Or doing these Largo loops. The same fucking, you know, the same 40 people are seeing you in every single town over and over and over again. It's just not enough to get ready for for, for big stages and, and big environments. No, and if you're Montez Ford, I mean, you know, an Evolve crowd is going to be different than a Progress crowd, which is going to be different than a Largo loop crowd, which is going to be different than the super easy full sale crowd, which is going to be different than a, you know, you go right down the list. And I think it's very important for these type of talents who don't have the indie experience to work in front of different crowds. And once they establish these business relationships with your progresses and your Evolves, it was mind blowing to me that it has taken them this long to farm out their talent to these places, to get them exposure in front of different crowds. To me, it just, I, I'm, I'm William Regal in this situation. I'm like, why are we not doing this? This is a no brand, you know, it, it, and again, you know, it's just, to me, it, it, to me, it was inevitable. And here we are. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But, um, but yeah, it's uh, these shows. Now we've got, we've got now the Chicago show is what Saturday night. 
That's Saturday night. Yeah, the, the, the Detroit one or Livonia or whatever, that's that's Friday night, uh, Volvo 115, and the Chicago show, uh, Volvo 116 on on Saturday night. So there's a there's some stiff competition we're going to talk about it a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm going to a show uh, tomorrow, recording this on a Wednesday. Uh, by the time you guys listen to this, it'll be the same day. Uh, I'm going to MLW. Uh, AW is running Saturday as well. So it's a crazy weekend for wrestling in Chicago. Yeah. So you're going to MLW Thursday. And yes. And then um aaw is running what night they're running saturday head to head uh, they're running saturday as well so evolve is is, is running oklahoma but aw is running LaSalle, which is you know about an hour and a half outside of the city but it'll right. be interesting to see how many i mean a lot of people from the city make that drive and and go out there it'll be interesting to see if many of them just decide to stay home or they drive or whatever but it's a, it's a busy weekend of wrestling uh chicago man it's it's you know i'm, I'm lucky to be here it's become kind of a weird hub that uh, i mean enjoying having oh, chicago's a big yeah i mean that's it's a it's a it's a major indie hub these days but i mean how far is livonia that's a detroit suburb i think so yeah I, I don't know exactly i think it's right outside of detroit if i remember correctly but uh, how I'm not far are you to detroit? I, have yeah. no <laughs> I have no concept uh, how far detroit? i've never driven to detroit uh let me see i think you're about six hours away from detroit oh I yeah think. forget that yeah no yeah, no That's... no are you at, are, no i'm not driving to detroit if that's what you're asking no i just didn't know how uh, long of a car ride it was i had no oh, idea. apparently i'm only four and a half hours if i leave right now i don't think that's going to be <sighs> the case if i don't leave anywhere besides 9 p.m i don't think that's i'm still not let driving you, five hours let me ask you a question what's your yeah. what's the longest car ride you'll take to go to a wrestling show where you're going to drive back after it's over like I've not, done, a, I've done, not a wrestlemania weekend or something like yeah right right um i've show. done I've done two hours and I think that's about it. I mean, that's, that's four hours back and you know what I mean? Like that's a long amount of time that, you know, to sit for what is probably going to just be a three hour show. So my, my limit is probably about two hours, maybe two and a half. I've done the two hours before, but yeah, four or five is, is, is I'm not, I'm not going to do that. And there's people I know. I mean, there's obviously the St. Louis crew that comes up to Chicago a lot, yeah. Joey Bay and, and, uh, and, and Rob and, and, and Sean Sloan, who we always laugh about, uh, I mean, they make that drive all the way from St. Louis to Chicago in like a, a single night. It's nuts. I, like, I don't know how they do it. So that drive is, if I remember correctly, it's about three and a half, I think. Oh, I see, say. I was going to say, my, my limit's about three. I'll drive three hours. Uh, that I don't mind. Oh, my uh, God. It's four and a half? Jeez. Oh, I, maybe four that's... and a half long. Yeah, that's a long Ooh. drive. That's, that's a nine-hour round trip. I mean, that's nine hours of just driving. Yeah, but I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> here's the thing. Those people have friends. Like, I'd have to go by myself because I'm out here right, in Texas right, alone right. and um, you know, oh, then it becomes sad. a road trip, and that's a lot of fun, and you get all the shenanigans that that come with that. Oh, um, gas station trips, get some jerky at a gas station, like yeah, I like that stuff, you know. Yeah, but um, but yeah, so I was just curious how far you were from there, but yeah, uh, pretty busy weekend in uh, your neck of the woods, Rich. Now the MLW show, that is a TV taping. Yeah, so um, you were not going to pass that up. There is a ton of talent on that show that I am sure that you have never seen live. Uh, I mean, we've got, well, you get the, listen, you get the low key Shane Strickland match. Um, you know, that sounds uh, fucking awesome. Yeah. For the title. Yeah, you got the Tom Lawler, Sammy Callahan, Chicago street fights. You know what that means? Jeans with the <laughs> knee pads <laughs> yep. over the jeans. They're going to, you think they'll brawl on Halstead street. You think they'll make it all. Uh, the you know street? where they're at? Not totally unrealistic that they get to Halstead Street. You know, you usually make that joke, and I say, "Nah, Joe, they're nowhere near it." They're 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 running Cicero. They're not that far. They are not that far from a Halstead Street. So this might so be... one man gang could pop up. Right? One man gang is is obviously Colcabana is obviously right around the corner as well. They all live on the same block. So that that yeah, it could. Uh, so what you're it, telling it, me is Tom Lawler and Sammy Callahan could be brawling down Halstead Street. One man gang could be because my- of course he's from Halstead Street, Chicago. He could course, be minding yeah. his business out on the stoop with his denim vest and his mohawk, 
and just chilling out. He'll be in his wrestling gear, of course, because why wouldn't he be? And they might just brawl right past the one-man gang. And who knows? He might just jump in because no one MLW, they might book one-man gang. You know, that's oh, not yeah. the realm of possibility here. You know? So uh, who knows? You might see one-man gang out on Halstead Street. We've got uh, Roosh versus Sammy Guevara cool. on that show. Have you seen? Roosh. I have never seen Roosh before, so that'll be a first for me. All right. Tommy Dreamer, Brian Pillman. Have you ever seen Dreamer live? You might not have seen I have never Dreamer. seen Tommy Dreamer live. That is that is an interesting one there. I just realized as I was looking down this card, I was like, holy shit, I've never seen Tommy Dreamer live. And and uh, I'm going to get an opportunity, hopefully, to uh, interview some of these guys as well before the show. So I will. Uh, that'll be up on patreon.com slash voice of wrestling. That's where we put the, the exclusive interviews of the industry's best, as we talk about during our uh, our read sometimes. So uh, I'm going to try to get as many interviews as I can. They've let us uh, let a few people in before the show opens. So I'll try to get uh, some audio from some of these guys. And Dreamer's going to be a guy if he's available i'm gonna try to get to right away because i gotta ask if he fucks yeah you gotta ask if he fucks but wait a minute (laughs) we've got you've got a little press pass here for the mlw you didn't even fill me in are you you gonna come about this all right well you know you can come i'm just saying uh, 4 p.m tomorrow no you knew i thought you knew that no, I didn't. Tell me, when did you tell me this? I'm finding I, out as the listeners not, are finding well, out. No, you're because you're not you're not in the in the slack. You're not talking, you know, shop with us. We I, I've definitely made it clear that I was doing this. That's uh so patreon.com slash voice wrestling where you'll find out if Tommy Dreamer fucks, which is gonna be the uh number you, one question I'm gonna you, ask. Yeah. That, <laughs> I you know what? I give you a lot of credit because he won't know what the hell you're talking about, number one. And uh, you know, it's very inside baseball. If you ask Tommy Dreamer if he fucks, I I will give you a lot of credit. <laughs> My friend, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get um, Kane though. I'm definitely gonna get like a fucking Singapore Kane to the head if I ask that, right? That's fine. I can, I, I can take it. I'm hardcore. He might you give know. you details. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you or yeah, or Tommy Dreamer gives me yeah. intricate details about him and Beulah's uh, uh, game, which I'd be, I'd be fine with that too. I didn't, I enjoy can, that. Can't you see him? That's like asking Joe Lanza if he fucks. You're gonna get an answer you don't want. Yeah, so you, you, you kind of have to be careful, you know. Uh, PCO. I don't think you've ever seen that man. Never seen PCO. Crack. Never seen PCO. Brody King in a no DQ match. I know you're hyped up for Joey Ryan and Swaggle versus oh, Dirty boy. Blondes. Oh boy. Well, I mean, I've uh, yeah, no, I've seen both of them too many times to say. So no, I'm I'm good on that. So yeah, no thanks. Uh, Teddy Hart, Jason Cade, Ace Romero versus Marco Stunt. Ace Romero, Marco Stunt is your classic 1993 indie match where they take the biggest guy in the locker room <laughs> yep. and they pair him up with the smallest guy in the locker room. And that's your match. I mean, you know, that's a, that's a old school indie match up there. And then we've got a flag match, rich Puma King versus MJF. Um, who comes up with this stuff? Well, you get a chance to ask. <laughs> I mean, I mean, MJF is nothing. If not Mr. America though, nobody will defend America's honor more than Mr. MJF. Who, of course, you know, just, yeah. just bleeds patriotism. It's just the most, I mean, he. I hope he comes out in full, you know, patriot gear. I hope he's got the, the, the Del Wilkes mask. Like, I, I want all that. I want full-on MJF patriot. But yeah, I don't know why MJF is defending USA's honor, but uh, I guess we'll Well, see. <laughs> you know, unlike TMZ man, you are intimately familiar with Puma King. So um, there will be no controversies there. Stokely Hathaway returns to MLW on this show. Uh, Koto Brazil takes on Trey Miguel. That could be a... 
a decent little match. And uh, Ace Austin takes on uh, Myron Reed, of course, the uh, top student of uh, Big Mike Elgin. And the Simon Gotch prize fight challenge, Rich, is up to $15,000. I preferred it when it was like $200. I thought that was very funny. Yeah, now we're getting, now we're um, getting, yeah, it's getting pretty dicey. I, you know what? Floyd's available now. Floyd's got a, an opening in the schedule. I Floyd wouldn't Mayweather be shocked. Floyd is available. You, you know, $15,000 is very tempting. Um, <laughs> So yeah, who knows who will come out for that? Yeah, that'll be uh, see. And then I figure I think you missed the uh, the main event too, which is actually pretty interesting. So yeah, well, they're, they're probably double. It, it's TV tapings. There'll be quite a few. Yeah. But you got Ray Phoenix and Pentagon Junior uh, versus L.A. Park and El Hijo de L.A. Park because of well, course, yeah, if was... you book L.A. Park, you got to book the Sun too. And uh, that's right. I, I've never seen Park, so that'll be a, a great opportunity to see him as well. Well, I was saving that because I was going to ask you if you ever saw. Park. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you, I thought you had just skipped over it. No, it's all right. You know, I, that we you know that you you we what got you to mean? it there at the end, but. <laughs> Um, yeah, but Parks, Parks Charisma is one of those guys where you see him live and you get it. And I, I'm really curious next week when we do the show to get your thoughts because well, I saw Parks. Cicero as well, well I, I should mention, is a very Hispanic town. Like it, it has old yeah. school roots and like, a, you know, a, a Italian and mob and all that sort of stuff. But it has become very much a, a, a Hispanic town. So I'm curious to see how many people come out for it as well. I mean, I've, I've heard some pretty good stuff. I know LW's advertised that they're almost sold out or whatnot. And that'll be a rocking atmosphere if he comes out there to, you know, uh, his, in, in you know, quote unquote home crowd or whatever. I think that'll be awesome because you have equal parts. Indie fans now are all in on L.A. Park, which makes sense because he's awesome. And then now, obviously, the old school Lucha fans and and Hispanic fans are all into him as well. So that'll just be an insane atmosphere uh, for him there. So I'm, I'm I'm really excited to check that out. And I always love going to any times I can go. Like you mentioned, anytime you go to WrestleMania weekend and there's a Lucha show running, you got to go to it just because it's a dip- different atmosphere. It just feels different. Yeah. It looks different. It's a different vibe. And I'm hoping it's one of those vibes because I always love going to shows that 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 are very much in that that sense because it's just, it's just different. I go to I've I've been to. 200 indie shows with the same guys I know every single time. You know what I mean? I'm good with that. Like I enjoy it. I have fun, but it's fun to go in a different atmosphere and a different crowd and kind of be involved in that as well. So, yeah, but, uh, but park for me, the first time I saw him, it's it just, you, you get it when you see him, you understand why he's, uh, you know, such a great draw in Mexico and, and his charisma just, he just, he just oozes the charisma. And you, and, and you know what I mean when I say that there's just some, some people are different. Yeah. And, um, and he's, well, he's one of them. I so. mean, he's against Pentagon. I mean, Pentagon and LA Park are like two of the guys that I think just bleed that career. Like, you said, who's that you know what's where funny it's... about that? Did you see their TV match they had for MLW? I, I didn't, but I heard, and I, the reason I didn't is because you said it just didn't do it for you. Which no, no, I find I, like, that's why I don't want to watch it because I'm scared. Like, because <laughs> I, I have expectations of how cool it's going to be. And then I heard a lot of people just be like, eh, you know, it's fine. I was like, oh, really? No, it, it wasn't that it didn't do it for me. It was a good match. Okay. But, what struck me about the match was you have Pentagon Jr., who we've talked about for years now. This guy is just this incredible presence and comes off like a legitimate badass. And you could smell the Ben Gay through the TV screen. And it's just it's <laughs> Pentagon Jr., you know? And it's like and, – and he wrestled Park. And, of course, I didn't see it live. I, I saw it, you know, on TV. And Park is just such a, a, a force, a charismatic force – that it's like he's like a larger planet's gravity pull eating the other planet, and he just totally consumed Pentagon Jr. and came off like eight times the star. 
Wow. Do, do you understand what I'm, the point I'm trying to yeah, make? Yeah, yeah. He's just like where, where you, 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 the one guy is like, oh, this dude's, uh, you know, this, this guy's this. And then like, yeah, you said the bigger planet comes. It, you know, Pentagon's a dwarf yes. planet. So like the fucking sun, Jupiter that is, you know, L.A. Park who just comes in and just grabs the orbit and just goes, nope, you're, you're orbiting me now, buddy. I am the big planet. I am the master here. That, yes. That's fascinating too because the Pentagon, like I said, is the guy that comes out and you're like, holy shit, shit, shit's going down. So I can't even fathom being in the crowd for L.A. Park if, like, if what you are saying is, 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 is how it was. I mean, that, that got me really hyped up then. Park just ate him up and not in the sense where a veteran wrestler takes advantage. Not that, not in that sense. I know that has different connotations in wrestling where you say one guy ate up the other. That's like Mil Mascaris just fucking. <laughs> right, 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 up. Right, That's yeah. not what I'm talking about. He, so maybe it's a bad, but I cannot think of any other way to phrase it, but it's just like, he ate him up in where it was like, wow. Now this, this guy is a fucking star. But this guy is a fucking megastar. Yeah, that, just... that's that, I use the planet analogy. So, so yeah, you know, like the, the Jupiter comes in and like this thing that seemed like a big entity now has to revolve around Jupiter because it's been sucked into the orbit of, of Jupiter. Yeah. So it's not gone; it's still there. But it's just like, nah, you're you know, you're nothing. You're, you know, you got to circle me, buddy. I am the king. I am Jupiter. So Ellie Park is Jupiter in our. <laughs> it's like the other the, the other definition is funny. It, it's I always remember. Um, uh, Jim Cornette and others talking about Jerry Lawler's first big push in Memphis when 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 Jerry Jarrett got behind them uh, full throttle and Jarrett would bring in guys stars from other territories or you know, he'd bring in Crusher or you know like from Chicago or he'd bring in you know these and and it's like first of all most of them would just refuse to do a job for this 23 year old kid they're like who the fuck is this guy I'm not so they'd have to do bullshit finishes. And also, poor Jerry Lawler just got his fucking ass kicked the entire year because these grimy veterans would come in and just beat the shit out of him because they were insulted that they had to put him over, even if it was a DQ or whatever the fuck. And so, you know, and they wanted to, you know, teach this guy a lesson. Like, you know, you're, you know, I'm Crusher, you're whoever you are. And, 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 you know, the only one that came in and, and, and really was willing to do business the right way was, um, Oh man, who was it? It was, uh, it was, um, oh, oh, it was Bobo Brazil. He said, Bobo oh, Brazil. Interesting. Oh, interesting. Okay. The only one who came in and, and, and understood, like, okay, I am on my way out. I'm the aging veteran. My role here is to help this Jerry Lawler guy continue to rise. So, Bobo Brazil was the only one who really treated it in that regard. And poor Jerry Lawler for the entire year of 1973 or whatever, well, just got his fucking ass kicked, uh, you know, in Memphis by all these veterans who were annoyed that they had to come in and wrestle this kid. That's the, that's the old school definition of eating someone up. You know, uh, Mill Mascaris is another guy who just, you know, if he didn't feel like being cooperative, uh, you know, on a certain night, he just fucking, you know, eat a kid up and, and, and not let him do anything. Um, you know, there, there's been uh, Japanese wrestlers who, have had that reputation over the years or, or, or where they just, you know, uh, they're, they're grumpy or they don't respect who they're working with. And, you know, they just fucking, and, and they can shoot and the other guy can't. And yeah, they just need them up. Well, I, I, I've seen that with Ultimo dragon as well, where like he comes in and like, every, you got to work Ultimo dragons style. You know what I mean? Right. Like he comes in, he's like, I got to do my shit. Like, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. Like you can tell when Ultimo gets booked and he comes in and like, I, I saw him at AEW, you know, uh, about a year or so ago. And it was, it was cool. Cause I, you know, wanted to always see Ultimo dragon, but you could tell that it was like, ah, it's just kind of. Was yeah. that the match where he didn't where he didn't even do the greatest hits? 
Like, yeah, no, he didn't even do. Yeah, he didn't even do like a dragon sleeper. I was like, the hell, or no? He, he didn't do like a moonsault. Acai he didn't salt. He, he did not do an acai moonsault. He did do the right. dragon sleeper. I think he won via dragon sleeper. But yeah, he didn't right. do the acai moonsault. We didn't get a lot of the the, the hits, and that's when I was like, ah, okay, all right. <laughs> but yeah. like, you know, he needed the whole match to be centered around his hot tag and all that sort of stuff. So it's was, it was kind of interesting, and 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 yeah, I get it. Like certain guys are that way, but yeah, that it, it, it'll be it'll be fascinating to see. Uh, park in this atmosphere against Pentagon and and Phoenix, and then you got Conan in the ring. I mean, like that. I mean, Jesus Christ, the people in that ring. You got Conan, Phoenix, Pentagon, L.A. Park, El Hero de L.A. Park, Selena De La Renta, who's who's uh, improving a lot. I've been watching MLW TV. She's starting to get better because I know when we talked about when MLW was first, because it's been a, a, quite a while since we've talked about MLW and I. We, I know you do it on the uh, the TV reviews, but she's somebody that when she first started, you could tell it was very raw. She was oh, just yeah. kind of figuring out. We kind of said she was dollar stores Selena Vega. She has carved her own niche now. She is good. Like she is legitimately very, very good now. One of the best parts of the, the the weekly TV show that they do. Oh yeah, she's improved tremendously. Yeah, she's uh, yeah. I I had a lot of questions about her when it first started. You know, if you go listen to the the, the those uh, Monday TV reviews from when MLW first hit TV, but yeah, she's improving. And I remember, um, you know, Court Bauer told us, you know, be patient. There's something there with her. Uh, there's a reason we like her. And you know, slowly but surely it is really happening for her as she's gaining experience and gaining more confidence and, 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 and what she's supposed to be projecting and all those sorts of things. So she's been a big time positive on that show and um, they believed in her and they stuck with her. And yeah, I, I have nothing but, um, but praise for the job she's doing now. So I'm glad to get a chance to see some MLW. I would definitely go to an MLW show if they came around here. Um, but, but there you go. Maybe I know they're taping mania weekend too. Right. But that God, that schedule is just so, yeah, they, they are. I have them sort of have a check mark next to them of like, ah, man, I, I kind of do want to go because they do some good stuff and they're doing a battle riot and all that sort of stuff. So I, I might go to that, but I don't know. It's that weekend so tricky and so nuts. We'll see. They're they're coming back to Chicago apparently in March as well. So I'm uh, I'm getting it, but uh, yeah, I don't know when they're swinging by College Station, Texas. But I'll uh, maybe that'll be you one of my questions. Blow, you know what? Then? The way the way Mania weekend is packed, you should blow it off. You should blow them off because if they come, to, they're coming to Chicago regularly. You're not really yeah, seeing exactly. It. Right, right, right. So I'll hopefully see him again. So yeah, that, that, we'll, we'll see how it goes. End up uh, WrestleMania weekend, but yeah, that'll be fun to kind of talk him because I'm going to Mania this weekend this uh, year, and I'm trying to schedule everything out. And we'll talk about it. Uh, another promotion that sort of put a uh, wrench in in some of my plans already. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about them here in a little bit. But yeah, we got the MLW. Uh, so that was our independent wrestling <laughs> around Chicago land uh, this weekend. AEW's uh, got a good show too. I don't have the the card in front of me, but they're doing their stuff in LaSalle as well. Last uh, only two more shows left in LaSalle as well. The uh, owners they're of the running LaSalle. Out of run yeah because the, the knights of columbus they have decided or, or the vf i forget whoever the knights of columbus yeah the knights of columbus run it have decided that they no longer want wrestling in their fine establishment yeah. that has two people drinking in the bar in the basement so uh wrestling's gone so Berwin too like the same deal happened there. Ah, the berwin the that that had a little bit more i, I think aw more than anything outgrew berwin and didn't need it yeah. anymore because it was like we were like fire code hazard many many times yeah. there which was like all right how many times are we gonna do this like there's no i i started like not getting in seats and just kind of like staring standing towards the back by the stairs because i'm like yeah, if anything happens here like i want to be able to kind of get out of here but no it ended up being that it ended up being some other you know normal wrestling drama stuff that sort of happened but more than anything i think they kind of outgrew it so they, they've gotten now their homes in like logan square auditorium uh where they run like the windy city classic a lot of times uh and then also 115 bourbon street which they've been running for a while too but yeah LaSalle was a, a cool thing because they picked it up from uh, dreamwave uh wrestling which did that area but uh yeah now if the knights of columbus aren't doing it that's a whole region because kind of the uh you know southwest of chicago kind of more farmland out there it, it, it's not really the city so it was kind of cool to see these wrestlers out here and there was obviously a different 
fan makeup. I mean, there was your, obviously your your Chicago fans that are a certain way, and then this was a very different crowd. You know, that was you know very much uh, of that area in a lot of ways. So it was kind of cool to see the cross section of those different fans and just see the people work. I mean, it was a way for them to work in front of different crowds, try out some different things as well. But that's now gone, uh, unfortunately. So uh, we'll see see what happens there. But yeah, they're running uh, Saturday. MLW on Thursday and then uh, Evolve on Saturday as well. So I got a uh, busy weekend ahead of me, but pretty exciting one. Power Struggle. Let's do it. Yeah. So uh, Power Struggle, New Japan's Power Struggle, of course, happened uh, last weekend. Uh, pretty interesting show from top to bottom. I think uh, well, I, the best way to do it is probably go from the main event down because uh, I think it was it was a top-heavy show in a lot of ways. Not to say that the undercard was was, was bad. The undercard was, was solid enough, but it was definitely a top-heavy show. But I thought it was... You know, I didn't mind. There were some odds and ends of King of Pro Wrestling that I did. You know, I didn't, I didn't love the show top to bottom. I, I enjoyed certain aspects of it. I thought Power Struggle was way better than King of Pro Wrestling. Where 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 did you kind of land on the, the comparison of the two? Yeah, I thought it was a better show. Um, I didn't like a lot of the matches on Power Struggle as much as some other people did, but I think I liked some other matches more than some other uh, reviews that I saw. So. It's interesting from that respect, and we'll see if uh, the two of us land in a similar place on some of these matches. Mm-hmm. I think the most significant thing, though, is obviously building towards Wrestle Kingdom, and now it's starting to get to that point. We've had the press conference. We're going to talk about the matches that have been announced officially for Wrestle Kingdom uh, after talking about Power Struggle, but it felt like a show that was very much setting up uh, Wrestle Kingdom, and that that sort of maybe there's a there's a way that sort of hypes me up a little bit as well because it's like all right, we're we're starting to get this. The, the, the pieces are starting to come together. Like there's that malaise, and we talk about it every year. That post G1 malaise in New Japan, where it's just like eh, all right, whatever. Like you feel like you're just kind of waiting for that moment when Wrestle Kingdom starts to come together, even though you know some of the matches, you still kind of want to see them put those directions in and power struggle felt like that. So it felt like an important show in a lot of ways, because even if you didn't love all the matches or love, you know, top to bottom, uh, everything that was going on, it felt like a significant show for, for the first time in quite a while. So uh, I think that was most significant about power struggle, but let's, uh, let's start out with the main event here. Uh, Chris Jericho defeating evil to retain his IWGP intercontinental championship. And then of course uh, making a challenge or Naito makes a challenge after the match. So we now know that Naito and Jericho, as we all presume would be uh, uh, at wrestle kingdom. Jericho hasn't quite accepted yet. That's kind of the gimmick they're running right now. We're on Twitter. He's kind of like, I didn't agree to anything. I'm not doing that or whatever, which I think is, it's pretty interesting, but uh, let's, let's talk about the match first. They have a power struggle. Uh, Jericho and evil. Where'd you, uh, where'd you land on that match? Uh, yeah, it was awesome. You know, Jericho has delivered each and every time for new Japan. I mean, this match was great. Um, you know, he's there's a lot of shortcuts in these Chris Jericho matches, but he's just it's that's not I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, it all comes together and, and he goes out there and he works his ass off and he has a great match every time out with everybody he works for that he works with. And he's going to have this match with Naito at Wrestle Kingdom. Um, I know LIJ fans are down on that match. I think it's a good it's 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 a huge match. I think it's going to be an important match. Uh, in terms of uh, putting fans in the building, I think it's been um, uh, a very good year-long angle building back to this. I think the evil match is a perfect transition to that. And um, I like everything Naito said at the presser the other night, which I watched, um, talking uh, about turning down WWE and then talking about how uh, his focus is to get revenge on Chris Jericho. Um, you know, Very different promo from naito than than his fans would have you believe is his, his right fans hey, yo, this was this was new japan's my company and i'm defending their honor yes. in a lot of ways which is, is strange given that you know obviously he sucks and he hates the company and the company screws him over and all that sort of stuff which you know 
pro wrestling no, for wrestling. Like, People have to look, remember that. <laughs> and, and I get that some of his fans don't want him involved in this. Feud. They, they, they're upset that this feud ate his year because this was supposed to be his year with the title and all that. Yeah, oh, I, and I get it. I, I don't totally I disagree too. with them either. But I mean, I think that's going to come, and uh, you know, I, st- I still firmly believe that that's going to come. And um, you know, I think this is a much better storyline and a much better angle than is being given credit for in some circles. I don't think there's anything insulting about anyone working with Chris Jericho at this stage. Um, now, maybe at some point he wears out his welcome. I think Chris Jericho is smart enough to bounce before that happens. I, I really do. Oh, I he's think. always bad. I mean, Jesus, this guy has been yeah. – has he, has he made a bad move in the last, you know – eight years, you know what I mean? Or like the last 10 years, like every time he comes at the right time for WWE comes around WrestleMania leaves, or he'll come around the summer and do a great angle and then leave. He'll come back and reinvent his character and then leave. Like the only one I would ever say is like the one time he came back and he was back to kind of smiling, happy, go lucky babyface guy. And everybody kind of hated that. Then he came back the next time and did the thing where he didn't talk or whatever. And he became like the biggest heel ever by never saying a word. Like he got it right back on track. So like, yeah, you can't, the business acumen of Chris Jericho has been, absolutely on fire for the last like decade he's nobody is more aware of their personal worth and 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 what their public perception is than chris jericho i think i think he absolutely 100 nails it right now and and that's a just kind of you, you were mentioning as well there is no downside zero downside for tetsuya naito working with a chris jericho because all that's going to do is grow tetsuya naito's stature in in the world because people i can tell you right now i i had I, I was with groups of people that have never watched New Japan ever in their lives going to a bar to watch Chris Jericho versus Kenny Omega because Chris Jericho was one guy on the, the ring. They all learned about Kenny Omega. They all now kind of watch New Japan a little bit here and there. That's going to continue to happen. Like if if at Wrestle Kingdom and they hype it well enough, and, and I'm sure they will, that Chris Jericho, who everybody, anybody, everybody respects him, casual fans, hardcore fans, they respect Chris Jericho, is in the ring with Tetsuya Naito. And presumably if Naito wins that match and has a killer match or whatever, that's going to do nothing but put Naito over and get him more publicity and get him more eyes and 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 make him a bigger deal in, in the world of wrestling. So no, it's it's there's no way that wrestling Chris Jericho is not a negative for anybody. Unless like we said earlier, he eats you up and does all that sort of stuff. But that's not that's never been Chris Jericho either. He he does whatever he does to a point and when he knows he has to do business whatever way it is, he'll do it. Because he's a guy that, that that understands, you know, that that's that's how it's done. He's never been a guy of, of, of huge ego or a guy that won't do jobs or anything like that. When it's time to go or it's time to sort of move on and, and, and finish a program, he'll do it. So I have no doubt in my mind that they'll have an incredible match and that Naito will be better off for it. Yeah, I I, I completely agree. So, you know, Naito will beat Jericho, Wrestle Kingdom and uh, win his title back and, and put Jericho in the rear view. And then I'm, I'm more curious what happens with Jericho after that. Um, you know, does he pick his next victim at New Year Dash and attack somebody else or uh, someone else who they want to give that stamp of approval to, uh, that big, you know, main event push to? I mean, I, I think I think he – you know who I think he'd have a super interesting program with? Jay White. I think Chris Jericho, Jay White would be fascinating to carry Jay White through 2019. Um, And and again, would elevate Jay White, you know, uh, the same way that Jericho gave Omega that last little push that you alluded to, the way that Jericho is going to give Naito this last little push into his 2019. Uh, You know, you know, Jericho, Jay White, I mean, Jay White's promos are just, they're, they're off the charts. He's just, he never stops improving in that regard. It's obvious. They see him as a huge star. Um, he's now the face of the Bullet Club, and you know it, at some point, you know they, they, he's already a main eventer, but they see him as someone who could be one of their made guys. 
And, um, you know, it's just, I think a, a Jericho feud would be a natural feud for him. The problem with that is Jericho would have to be, unless you have Jay White attack Jericho, Jericho has always been the heel in these scenarios. And they're trying to get Jay White over right now is just this. I, know, I think that's, that's exactly deal. what it is. I think you have something where, you know, and exactly. We're just kind of fantasy booking here, which sure. we never like to do, but it which might be a awful, thing where, you know. which is always awful. And I'm sorry. And I apologize. Don't give me a pencil. Cause it'd probably be a disaster, but um, you know, you have something where Jericho, you know, maybe comes out and, and, and gives a handshake to Nido, gives him like kind of a stamp of approval and Jay White just comes out and beats the fuck out of him or something like that. Or, or, right. you know, you can have Jericho go away for a little bit too, which I think is something that he is going to probably want to do as well, even though it seems weird because he's been gone so long but he's a guy who definitely likes to have different periods like he likes to show that he was here this is kind of that current chris jericho character then he goes away and then he has this chris jericho character so might be something where he he pops back up midway through the year or whatever and and cuts a promo or does something and he's he's completely different than what the last time we saw him and then jay white you know attacks him or whatnot so there's ways to do it but i think you absolutely have to then transition jericho away from this sort of heel character to more of a bit because i think that's good i think that's a good sort of transition form as well is to move on from being this dashly heel to 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 jericho fresh because and and he's always he's always aware of that he if he came out the next night and beat up you know jay white wearing his his weird makeup that's not chris that's never been chris chris jericho likes to kind of say okay that's that's that that program's done i'm gonna go away now and when I come back, I'm going to be a little bit different than I was the last time prior. So I don't, I don't think it's New Year's Dash unless he just completely strips all that. And like you said, he's just a, he's a baby face that's, hey, you know, I really appreciate it. Thank you guys all for this, you know, yada, yada, yada. And then Jay White attacks him and then he's, you know, that's what kind of the impetus for the next Jericho transformation is. But there's ways to do it. But I, I this guy's a tremendous asset. So I would definitely, I, if you can still do business with him and he still wants to do business, you'd be silly not to. And and and, and Naito was, as we said, going circling back to Naito, he's going to benefit tremendously by doing business with Chris Jericho. So, um, Here's, here's the thing. No disrespect to any of these people, but Chris Jericho isn't going to work with Hiroki Goto. He's not going to work with Tomohiro Ishii. Uh, he's not going to work with upper mid-carders. Chris Jericho, and you're not going to waste him on that. He's working with your top-line main eventers. He's working with Kenny Omega and Tetsuya Naito. So if they continue to do business with him, you only have a couple of options left. It's Tanahashi, it's Okada, or it's Jay White. To me, Jay White's perfect. Yeah, and Jericho he's 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 the guy that's wanted to make people as well, yes, and that's one yes, thing that's absolutely. awesome about Jericho. The Kevin Owens thing, that him clicking and the key, the the clipboard and all that sort of stuff. The end goal for Chris Jericho is I'm going to get Kevin Owens over, and he did. And then of course you know many things happened, and, and Kevin Owens was not over, and then Bronson beat him up for six months, and they turned you know yada yada yada. But the whole goal of that, the end game was. I'm going to get Kevin Owens over and Kevin Owens, you know, beat him in the end and, and moved on. And like Kevin Owens was the better guy of that feud. And that you can go back and look at the last 10 years of Jericho. It's always been about in the end game, the getting the next guy over. And he's somehow carved out the rest of it. Like, like I said, it's been a decade of him pretty much carving out a career as like a guy that's going to make the next guy or whatever. But he knows that he's, he's got that. He's very much. And I, and I like him very much to a Terry Funk in that sense. And I don't mean to compare them one-on-one because I know people are, Oh my God, Terry Funk, whatever. But Terry Funk very early in his career, you know, it, relative so, you know, into maybe a second retirement, realized, all right, you know, and, and I think the famous quote from him is, you know, if I don't get guys ready for the, the business, there's not going to be a business for me when I come back or whatever. I forget the exact terminology or the quote that he uses, but like he understood that, hey, if I don't get guys over and I don't do stuff to get, you know, the next generation over, there's not going to be a business for me to when I do want to come back. And and he spent, God d- damn, like what, two decades, you know, a decade and a half putting guys over and getting that next level going, getting a mankind over, getting ECW over, getting Shane Douglas over, getting those guys, getting Sabu over, get it. And he did it until 
you know, and, and still do it today if you could actually, you know, get and, and really go out there and work. But he understood very early in his career that that's could be his next, you know, step in his career. The next evolution in his career is be a guy that gets people over. And once you get to that level and you can do that and you're good at it, like Terry Funk and like a Chris Jericho and like many others, I mean, sky's the limit. I mean, it, it, you're going to keep getting jobs. And you're going to keep getting opportunities and, and, and you're going to be revered as, as one of those guys as well. So I think, yeah, the, the, not understanding the asset of Jericho, not understanding how important he is, is just, you know, you're, you're not, you, you, you like to use the term you're lost or whatever. You're just not seeing the big picture here. If, if, if you're really down on, on Chris Jericho in New Japan in any way. Yeah. So this was, to me, this was my, uh, this was my match of the night. I, I was, I was very really? high on this. Wow. Yeah. See, I, I liked it. I don't think it was match of the night for me. I do enjoy that, that Jericho is just kind of a pure six brawler. Like he's just, cause you know, he like, he knows he's not a good, re- you know what I mean? Like the, the story is like, he knows goddamn well, he's not a better wrestler than evil. So he just fucking, you know, throws him into tables and does all this sort of stuff. He knew he wasn't better than Kenny Omega. So he, yeah. And, 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 yeah. and the Naito match too, he tore him apart like an animal. I mean, that match was great. Um, you know, and, and, and look, Jericho knows it doesn't fit. He's not going to go in there and chain wrestle. It doesn't fit his gimmick. No. You know, his gimmick right now is he, he sneak attacks you and he's fucking demented and he's going to go in there and, and his goal is to kill you. And, um, he works these matches t- directly to his gimmick. I mean, the guy is just brilliant. He's, he's, yeah, he's, 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 a, he's a brilliant pro wrestler. He's a brilliant businessman. Um, he sold out that fucking cruise. I mean, d- 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 you know, it's just he's got four different careers going at once. I admire the fuck out of Chris Jericho. And, and you know, if these matches weren't any good, I would roll my eyes and find it annoying but still understand from a business sense why they're doing it. But the matches are fucking kicking ass. I mean, all three of them. It was three or four now. It's uh, Omega, Jericho, and uh, I'm sorry, Omega, Naito in this one. Is that three matches, I think? I- Think so? I yeah, that's, I, that's, I, I, I don't know for free. I think, but that's they've it. all all three of them have delivered. I mean, the guy just you know he's fantastic. So there's no complaint there from that perspective either. But um, as the producer looks that up, we'll move on to Tetsuya Naito, who we just spoke about versus Zack Saber Jr. As uh, Naito uh, looks to avenge um, um, his loss to Zack Saber Jr. earlier in the year, I thought this was a good match. I didn't think it was a great match, but I thought it was a good match. I liked how Zack Sabre Jr. dominated. It's like Naito couldn't gain an edge early in the match uh, with Sabre's grappling. I like that little uh, subtle story that they told there. And then, um, you know, it's, it's, it, it was fine through the middle portion. And I thought it had an absolutely killer closing stretch. So um, I enjoyed this match a lot. Uh, can't call it great, but I think they had a, a very good match. See, I like this one a lot. This is my match of the night. Uh, this one, Naito and, and Zack Sabre Jr. I think I went four and a quarter with it. I think one of the things that I loved is I think both guys did an incredible job uh, selling throughout the different points that they needed to as well. And I think everything kind of made sense. And, in a sense. and these are two guys that are, you know, one has been called the wrestling genius in, in, in Tetsuya Naito, which I absolutely agree with. And then Zack Sabre Jr. is another guy that I think as well. And I think a lot of people probably call him a wrestling genius as well. And we see it. Uh, too, but like you said, the, the, a lot of the early portion of the match was, was Zack Sabre Jr. sort of locking up Naito with different holds and whatnot, but I thought it was really interesting, and and uh, Neil David, who did our review at VoiceWrestling.com, pointed this out, and I'm glad he did, because it was a really cool moment in the match as well, is that Naito started going after Zack Sabre Jr.'s neck, and Zack Sabre Jr. then started kind of selling his neck, and you could tell he'd get a guy in a submission, kind of crick his neck a little bit, he'd flex his fingers, like he was trying to get a little bit more feeling going on in there, and it was like a subtle little thing that you didn't really necessarily pick up on right away, but Kevin Kelly did too, and I was listening on the English commentary, and he did a great job with this as well, is that Zack Sabre Jr. then tried to do the, the orienting with Napalm Death, and that beats Naito during the New Japan Cup match, but because of the neck damage, and because he couldn't feel his arm, and because like he was just a little off, he decided to get away from that move and say, ah, you know what, no, I can't do that move, I'll move on to different stuff, 
and and you understand that Zach Sabre Jr. could say, ah, fuck it, I don't need the uh, you know, orienting with Napalm Death. I'll move on to one of my other submissions because I got this guy in the bag. And then that sort of was the turning point in the match. And then Knights have started coming back and coming back and coming back. And and he's one of the better comeback guys in wrestling right now in terms of just getting those moves, building up, building up, building up, and then hitting that Destino, and then you're over. And I thought that was just a nice little nod where where Zach controlled it. Zach had it in the bag. Naito just had a few little things where you're kind of working on the neck, working on some different body parts to try to get Zack Sabre Jr. to not quite be at his full strength. And then there's that one particular move, the one that finished him off in the New Japan Cup. Now that move doesn't work anymore. Zack Sabre Jr. has to go back to the well, but he can't because Naito cuts him off and, and hits the Destino. So I thought that was a nice little touch there. Those are wrestling geniuses at work right there. And that's something that, again, rewards you for past watching. And that's what we love so much about this company and so much about guys that are get, have the ability to sort of tell their own stories in the ring is that these dudes remembered that that was a big part of the New Japan Cup match. So let's bring it back and let's sort of work our way with that. So I, I, again, that's that was a huge thing that I loved about this match. And, and in general, I just I thought it was a really good back and forth match. But uh, it was not the best Zack Sabre Jr. match I watched this week, though, because uh, there was one that you mentioned on Twitter I wanted to talk about as well. It's a match from August. But uh, so we're a little bit behind here. Uh, I feel really bad. We got uh, a DM slide from one of the participants in this match, not Zack Sabre Jr. That said, hey, you should watch this match. It's really good. And we were just like, all right, whatever. And we, we skipped it. We, oh, no, no, no. He, 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 um, he had sent us his Ricochet match from last year. Oh, that's okay. That was that so one. Okay. So we did you, not send this was, match. Okay. That, now, that one's phenomenal, too. You should go watch that one. Okay. Uh, I've not seen that one yet. Okay. Yeah. You think he was sending us. No, no, no. Months ago, he sent us the Ricochet match, and and um, I did watch it. You should go watch it. It's phenomenal. But this was Zack Sabre Jr. Well, first of all, r- quickly on your point, that's an example of great commentary by Kevin Kelly. That's the commentator's job. To get stories like that over, and he picked up on that right away. Yeah. He said, "Oh my God, he, he, Zack Sabre Jr. abandoned the order thing with Napalm Death. That's what you know finished Naito off at New Japan Cup, and that's I, that's the difference of a guy who studies, does his yes. work, does the effort. We talked about it last week. Effort, studying, and and that's the difference right there. Is that something that I may not have picked up on, but Kelly picked up on it, and that's his job. And and yep. kudos to him for that. that. That's the difference between a good play-by-play man and a great play-by-play. That is a great job by Kevin Kelly. It's a small example." But it helps the viewer understand the match because I watched on the Japanese commentary, and I will admit I didn't pick up on that. You watched on the English commentary, and because Kevin Kelly helped you out a little bit, now you know the story. There, you you better understand the story the wrestlers are telling. That is why the play-by-play man is so important, and the commentary is so important. And you can't have Lanny Poffos in there because <laughs> it just, you know, we're laughing, but at the same time, no, he sucks. Look, yeah, he, he, he drastic improvement. Yeah. But, but anyway, yeah, so this Zack Sabre Jr. vs. A-Kid match is actually from April. It took place April 14th. I think maybe they put it on their YouTube page in August, which is... What oh, okay that, 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 okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so it was uploaded August 6th, but yeah, it happened in April. So. so anyway, I've had this match sitting in my YouTube queue for months. What I'll do is I'll just slap the Watch Later button on matches on YouTube that people recommend me or matches that catch my eye. And then when it starts to get backloaded a little bit and there's like 15 matches in there, I'm like, all right, I better just sit down one night, you know, after I put the wife to bed and uh, and, and just burn through these matches before it keeps piling up because otherwise I'm never going to watch them. So this match has been sitting in my YouTube queue since August, okay, because people were telling me to watch it. Alan Cunahan screaming at me to watch it. He screamed at me to watch the Ricochet match, screaming at me to watch this match. I finally get around to it, and what Rich is talking about is I just could not stop breaking, talking about how great this fucking match was. This is a legitimate match of the year contender. Like Joe, we th- Joe, my top ten is different than it was. Yeah, mine too. Before I, Rich, I, this is in my top ten. <laughs> I've got five star fear with this. I, 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 I could go five there, stars on this. It is. 
It's that fucking good. I, this is a legitimate five-star match. Okay? My notebook says four and three quarters because I'm a coward. But you. this is a this is a five-star match. And, you know, I've seen A-Kid before. I saw him wrestle Adam Chase. He, there's another match on their YouTube if you're interested. I'm sure you're going to watch all of A-Kid stuff now. Oh, uh, the Rick yeah, match. by the way, this is uh, this is uh, La Triple W. It's White Wolf Wrestling. If you're trying to White look Wolf it up Wrestling, uh, yeah. on on uh, on YouTube, yeah, I think their uh, their YouTube channel. If I remember correctly, just look up White Wolf Wrestling uh, La Triple uh, uh, W, and you'll be able to find it. Or just look up A Kid Zack Saber Junior. It should come up. Or our Twitter uh, feed, whatever. Well. I think I put. On yeah, yeah, exactly. Plenty of um, You know, I watched him wrestle Adam Chase. That that's his big match he had in March, and I went four stars flat on that. That's more of a a flippy do style match. A, a, a you know a US indie high spot style match. But that is not what this Zack Sabre Jr. match is. And Rich, I know you really want to uh, – I'll let you have the floor on this because this – if you're expecting, eh, it's probably just two dudes out there doing spots. I've seen it all before. I'm skipping this you know, obscure match from Spain. I don't need to see it. Rich, tell people what this match was all about. Yeah, well, I think one thing that really struck me with, with this match is the atmosphere of this crowd. Like, it, it is, again, like, it's Spain, so I didn't know what to expect from a Spain crowd. Like, I've never, I don't know that I've really seen much Spain wrestling. This is the most indie crowd I've ever seen. They are, like, the best combination of, like, a European crowd with an American indie crowd. They knew all the chants. They knew Zack Sabre Jr.'s music. They did This Is Awesome. They did Fight Forever. They did, like, but it wasn't in a way that's, like, I, I know sometimes people get, like, it's grating when sometimes they're, like, you know, This Is Awesome chant pops up like two minutes into a match i I get that i get why people get upset about it but this crowd is molten hot the entire time they fucking love it and they are into all the action they're ready to go they love zach saber jr they see him as a fucking star they're into a kid i mean it it was real i mean the atmosphere was cool and the production value too i found pretty awesome as well when i when i clicked the link i was like ah here we go this is gonna be some real shindy looking thing and it's like it's lit well it looks good it's in a really cool looking uh building as well so i mean that's something aesthetics is always important to us we talk about all the time so don't don't come into this match expecting some like really blurry cam and it doesn't look like it looks good and like it way better than i thought uh, a white wolf wrestling who i you know i had really never heard of would, would do here so i really want to commend them for that but um or compliment them for that i should say i commend them they did good but uh no i think this match and, and like you're saying it is not a a kid's not a he he can do flippy doos and zachary Saber jr can do flippy do this was not that this was a grappling match this was mat based and it was one guy giving their best grapple to the other guy and then when it broke down it was just dudes slapping the fuck out of each other and then they would transition they would they would you know the match starts with a shoving match and then they go into grappling then they go into slaps then they go into chops then they go back to grappling then they're just hitting lariats then they're hitting slaps then they're hitting holds again like it was just ebb and flow ebb and flow for like 30 minutes i just could not believe how awesome it was to see the difference in in in, in that stuff and and what it made me you know, realize, and, and I'm, I'm, you know, I always talk about it as well. Like we are regarded as a show that hates, you know, grappling and hates mat based wrestling. That's not true at all. I mean, we, we on our new Japan or, or, or I should say our Japan, a hall of fame show. I talked about Tamura of a guy that I love. Cause he just kind of had an aura about him in, in, in terms of stuff from UWFI and rings and stuff. And I like all that stuff, but I like it to be exciting. I like it to be interesting. I like the crowd to be invested. I like people cheering. I like a little bit of, of hatred. I like a little bit of, of real stakes. And it's like, yeah, it's one thing to, you know, be a great technical wrestler because he learned from Billy Robinson. But if it fucking bores me to tears and the crowd doesn't care, I don't, it's it, to me, it's not good. This was great. Like this proved to me that you can have a very mat based grappling holds on the mat. Like these dudes never go outside the ring. They never even go to the fucking corners. Basically that's all just in the middle of the rings. There's very, there's very few even bounces off the ropes other than to go for a lariat. It's grappling. It's mat based. It's that sort of stuff, but it's fun and it's exciting. The crowd's invested in every single one of the moves and, and every, 
every grapple is met with a counter and every counter is met with uh, you know a, another counter and then uh, then the slap exchanges come in so it's just like it, it proves to me that like you know, because again, we I think we unfairly get the reputation that we don't like like grappling and mat based stuff or whatever. Zack Saber Jr. is one of my favorite wrestlers in the world because he's great at that style, and I think he does a tremendous job with it. But then you see a match like this, and you see just how molten the crowd is for a really good grappling match. And it, you know, it's sort of you know at times we, we you know I, we're going to make people mad, but the Hideki Suzuki matches sometimes you watch and you're like, all right, yeah, and like I'm glad that like people watching it go and say, oh no, that's technically great and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's great, but like the crowd's not making any noise and nobody gives a shit, and it's boring me to tears, so I don't really like it. But you know, you see a match like this and you see how great it can be when it's done just so well and so perfect but yeah this is this is not a flippy do match at all this is a a, a, hate, a grappling fest with some hatred involved in it and it's just spectacular it's in my top 10 now for the year for sure yeah i don't care who trained you i don't care what your background is yeah, i don't give a shit if you you learn from billy robinson great i, I okay i don't care like it, yeah, great i understand he's a a wrestler's wrestler and that's what wrestling i don't care entertain me excite me yeah, excite yeah the that's the thing if if your shit is boring, that's all that matters to me. If your shit looks loose and and it doesn't look like you're applying the oh, holes, I say, there's no loose here. Like every no. move, like a kid, I was like, there was one point where I was like, oh my god, his knee is gonna snap, and it looks like it is at certain points. Like every every hold is 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 locked in there with like precision and pain involved in it, and that's that's what really makes it stand out too. Well, what stood out to me about this match was the pace. They worked such a hard pace. This was. A uh, you know a grappling style match worked in fast forward, and it, it what it proved was you could have a great match like that without just laying around on the mat mm-hmm. and lazily exchanging holds, which have now all been exposed thanks to MMA, and we could see how you're not trying as hard as you could be because we all understand MMA now, which is another problem I have with a lot of the people that work this style. It's just it's it's you've been exposed over the last fifteen years because. We know you're not. We we. Right. If you're know good, at, if you're good going. at a cross arm breaker, then break his fucking arm. You know what I mean? Like if you're really good at doing this, then or break we his know that what you're doing. Yeah. We know what you're what you're doing, how it can be countered, and what the other person should be doing, and it kind of exposes you. Yeah. When you're when you're working this stuff is not really. It's hard to suspend disbelief sometimes. The pace that these guys work this match is insane. And then, like Rich says, when it comes up to their feet and they're just. Uh, you know, and it breaks into uh, a strike battle, and and it's just it's just crisp. It's perfect. Everything is, and with the pace that they worked, and with the experience level of a kid. Let me tell you something about a kid. And I've seen a lot of his matches now. He's a little rough around the edges still. You wouldn't know it from watching this match. You watch this match, you think he's one of the best wrestlers in the world. I mean, you know, whether that's Zack Saber Jr., um, you know, uh, you know, helping him through it, or I, or just a great night. But you know, he's a little rough around the edges, and he's not even close to a finished product. I'm telling you right now, he will work a bola. This A kid will work Ebola, and it's not going to take a lot of years either. It could be this year, it could be next year. This guy's going to work PWG. He's just—he's one of those guys. It's just a matter of exposure for this guy. I've now seen him work a couple different styles now too. It's like the match with Adam Chase is like two, you know, Will Ospreay kids. You know, in, in comedy, uh, you know, it, it, it's called like uh, there was. Um, there's this thing on the comedy circuit where it's like, um, oh, okay, he's a he's a Dave Attell kid. He's got Dave Attell's style and cadence. He's he's clearly influenced by you know insert your veteran comedian here. Oh, you know sure. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, right, and it's right, not right. meant as necessarily derogatory. It's just you know, he, he, well, Will Ospreay has reached a point in his career where he has kids on the indie scene. There are Will Ospreay kids running around the indies, 
and Adam Chase and A-Kid, to an extent, they're willow spray kids. You know, they wear the long tights with the, with the belt. You know what I mean? The long tights with the belt, and they do flippy-doos, and, 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 and they take wild bumps, and they're clearly influenced by the willow spray style and the willow spray look, and I've seen them work that style, and now I've seen them work this style of match with Zack Sabre Jr., and, and, he, and those wild white wolf crowds are, are, are fucking fire. Oh that is I, now I want to go there. I want to go there. You know what I mean? Like, I always talk about these crowds that I want to be in. I want to be in that crowd now. I want to be in OTT crowd. I want to be in a WXW crowd. I want to be in a progress crowd. I'm in White Wolf, man. <laughs> and Spade looks beautiful, too. So that'd be a great little... And the building they're in, too, looks like a fucking, like, castle. Like, I don't know where the hell they're in, but I want to be there. It looks incredible. Yeah, and it was... Uh, who I was trying to think of was... It was the late Patrice O'Neill who came up with that in comedy. Like, oh, you're yeah, a, yeah, yeah. You're a so-and-so's kid, or this is... Uh, he's so-and-so's... You know, you know, but, um, but, but you know, the, it's, it's, this was phenomenal. The crowd is just... I think it was Ricochet who, after he worked a White Wolf show, said this is the hottest crowd I've ever worked for in my life. I'm pretty sure it was him. Um, it's just an incredible atmosphere. The work in the match is outstanding. And yeah, like Rich said, I mean, you know, this, you know, this is the kind of grappling I can get behind. Yeah, well, the, the thing I love about it is every hold is met with like resistance. Like, no, I'm going to get out of it. I don't want to be sitting in this hold. Like, I'm going to try to find a way to get out of it. Like every time that they lock him in, and it's not that they're not skilled at locking him in, but like you're saying, it shows that like the, the acumen of a guy is that, yeah, if you get put in an arm bar, you don't want to just sit in the arm bar and try to like slowly, you know, hit at his hip. And like, you try to get out of there as quick as possible because this guy could break your arm. And that's what it's, it's a kid knows that he cannot rest on his laurels at any point. He can't let Zack Sabre Jr. do anything to him without him trying to roll out of it or kick out of it or fight. So they're scratching and clawing every single time they're in a grapple. And like you said, everything goes like fast as fuck because of that. So it, it, it in some ways resembles more of an MMA fight more than like absolutely. What we, what yeah, we now see is like a work shoot type stuff. And, and, and this is like an old school MMA thing. Like nowadays you've gotten a little bit, and you know, I don't watch a ton of MMA, so I'm, I'm not, I'm very much not your expert, but like, it reminds me of like early day, like when jujitsu was first a thing and guys just like, when they got locked in, they just were like, Oh God, I don't know what the hell to do. Like, I'm going to get out of here as quickly as possible. So like, that was really cool about it is that it always felt like that. And, and what's, you know, Zach Sabre Jr. is so good at being a giant dick too, is that there's a few times where he does lock a kid in a move and he knows a kid can't get out of it. And he just gives him the middle finger, you know, cause he's Zach Sabre Jr. He just goes, ah, yeah. fuck you, mate. Like, ah, fuck you. <laughs> You can't do nothing. Yeah, yeah. and the, ma- the yeah. match has that dynamic too. It has the big star coming in to face the local guy. So you have the right. local guy facing the the big international star um, aspect to it too. It just listen. I I can't begrudge Watch anyone it. if they Watch went full it. five on this because I nearly did. It, it it has a excellent chance of being in my top ten. It looks like it's already in riches. This is a phenomenal fucking match, and I'm kicking myself for not listening to people and not watching it right away because you know it took place. We should have been talking about this match in August. Yeah, when, when sorry. All right, so that was it. I just wanted to uh, do a quick aside for that. If you haven't checked that out, eight kids, Zack Sabre Jr., White Wolf Wrestling, make sure you check that out. And uh, apparently, according to Joe, there's some other good stuff on there as well. So I'm going to definitely uh, uh, consume that. But let's move on to the rest of this power struggle show. We had Tomoro Ishii uh, defeating Minoru Suzuki to retain the RPW uh, heavyweight of England. <laughs> what was it, the champion of Britain? What, what did uh, old uh, Leaping Lanny say? It was. How long has Suzuki of- been the champion of Britain? <laughs> Yeah, and he's of not. The British. And he wasn't, Britain, that's what he said. The oh, the British. champion of the British. Yeah, champion, champion of, the, of British. the British. Yes. And he's, uh, well, he and wasn't Kelly the champion. Had to say, well, yeah, actually, Ishii is the champion of the British, Lanny. <laughs> the, guy that, um, the guy that walked out with the title is, in fact, the champion. And uh, that same man walked out with the title here with Ishii defeating Minoru Suzuki. What do you think about this match? Because I uh, think I have a different take than a lot of people I saw. Again, it was good, not great. Um, it never hit that gear that Ishii matches tend to hit. And um, it's just one of those Minoru Suzuki matches where sometimes it just it, it doesn't get to that level of viciousness that you like to see with Suzuki. 
and it never got to that level of uh, you know intensity that you like to see in an Ishii match. I thought they had a good match. I can't call this great, and this is lower level of uh, of Ishii singles matches this year. I thought I didn't love it. I was not a fan either, and and, and it kind of sucks because I think Ishii was great in this match, but I thought Suzuki just did nothing for me. And I'm, I'm I might be reaching a point where I'm just kind of over Minoru Suzuki in general. Be but careful like, I, though, because we you say that I know, sometimes. I know he, he's gonna have a great match. He's gonna like, and then he had that match with Goto at Wrestle Kingdom, and it fucking rocked. Like I know it's coming. I just like this was just it's been a year of a lot of just like Minoru Suzuki duds that I just haven't really quite liked. I think Ishii did a ton in this match to make it great. But like you said, it just never quite reached its next peak. And then he just kind of put Suzuki away and it was over. So I don't know. I I, I, I liked it. I didn't like I'm I'm really putting it down when I really just enjoyed it. But I've seen some people give it like real high ratings and match of the night and all that sort of stuff. And I don't like it on that level. I thought it was fine. I thought it was good, but it just wasn't, uh, it wasn't that level for me. So I, like, like you said, it just didn't hook me the same way that some of the other matches on the show did, particularly the, the Naito and Zack Sabre Jr. And I thought it was kind of flat, the finish and everything. It, It just never peaked, you know, it was fine. I mean, look, it was a good pro wrestling match, but it had a lot of, I I, I expect more out of Ishii. Yeah, I do too. It had a lot. It felt very much like a, a higher end of the Ishii Makabe matches, if that makes sense, where it's just like, it's brutal, but like, yeah, I don't know. Like, it doesn't, like, to me, my Ishii matches is, is, is versus an Omega, versus a Naito, versus that stuff where it's, it's this back and forth. You're really rooting for Ishii to get the job done and pull it out or whatever. Like, those are the matches I love for him. This felt very much like two brutes just like slamming into each other, which is, is fine, but I, I think Ishii's so much better than that. And and it just, to me, yeah, when it was over, I was like, all right, yeah, that was fine. It was good. But it felt like, yeah, a high-end one of those Ishii Makabe matches and not necessarily what I think he's he's really capable of doing. Yeah, I don't know. I You know, it, I'd give it like you know, three and a half or something. I mean, I liked it. It was good, but... When I go into an Ishii match, especially third from the top and against Suzuki, title on the line, long yeah. feud, good build to the feud too, yeah, and all those great. sorts of things, I want more. I'm expecting more. My ceiling is a lot higher, you know. I, I, I so it didn't really deliver for me. Uh, Roki Goto and Taichi for the never open weight title. What'd you think of this one? Okay, so people buried the fuck out of this, and I was, you know, looking on Twitter and checking out reviews, and I'm like, oh no, it's gonna be, oh god, yeah. I have to sit there. And then I watched it, and it was fine. Yeah, okay, I had the same reaction as well. We should have talked about this before. I was like, oh, this is going to suck. And Neil David, who I mentioned, who did our review, called it rubbish. He gave it a star and a half. I heard everybody being like, oh, my God, Taichi, go away. I thought it was fine. It wasn't good. Taichi's not very good, and I would hope that he just goes away and never comes back from the, the, the title scene. But I don't know. I thought it was fine. I didn't think it was any worse than the Ishii-Suzuki match. I put them pretty equal, actually. Which I, I I'm stunned that I'm even saying that, but I thought it was okay. I thought it was fine. I think I went like three and a quarter or something. I mean, it was it was it was okay. I mean, they told a nice little story. The problem was the crowd didn't seem to be into it. Um, you know, during long stretches of it, I thought Goto was good. I thought he did a lot of uh, you know excellent uh, selling in terms of his facial expressions in particular. Taichi was Taichi. Um, you know, I I I don't know. I mean, look, I, if you really really hate Taichi, I, maybe I get it. Uh, but I'm not a huge fan of Taichi, and I thought this was fine. They 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 told he has been way more offensive other times. I think this oh, is yeah. if this is the one that's really made you break, then I don't know why you didn't break you know years and years and years ago because I think the guy fucking stinks. But I thought that was fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I had no problem. Yeah, I thought the match. I was I was relieved that it that it wasn't what it had been built up to be. Um, but yeah, it was fine. All right, so move on to a uh, the three way. <laughs> 
finals of the Junior Tag League. It is, seems ridiculous to say it, and it was even more ridiculous in practice. Uh, Rapagi 3K defeating uh, Yoshinobu Kanemoro, El Desperado, as well as the LIJ team of Bushi and Shingo Takagi. So Rapagi 3K wins your Super Junior Tag League and now is in a three-way dance at Wrestle Kingdom, which we'll talk about in a bit. But, Joe, what were the stakes here? Because they didn't seem to really win anything when it was all said and done. No, they're just doing a fucking what are we doing? What are we doing? Why are we I just, doing this? It's horrendous. It's a joke. It's a disgrace. It's if if you want to have that match for Wrestle Kingdom, don't do a fucking league to set it up then. Um, <laughs> I just, it, it's absurd. It's completely it's a absurd. a league and then it's a rematch. What? It's <laughs> you a don't league. win the league and then get a rematch. Hold on. It's, a, three, it's a three-way match to, 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 to <laughs> determine the league and then they're doing a three-way match. Like, what did they win? I don't know what they, they won. won. nothing. They won absolutely um, zero. They actually, it, it was, a, they, they, they would have been better off losing. You know what I mean? They were busting their ass to win this match. You would have been better off just taking a dive and saying, ah, fuck it. Well, we'll see what happens at Wrestle Kingdom. Like, yeah, well, this, I think this, this I sucks. think the well, stupid. well, I think the mindset is they're in the match because they won, and the champs are in the match because they have to be because they're the champs. And I think the idea is because Lij beat Rapongi 3K and didn't take the fall here, that's how they're getting them into the match. I'm not yeah, defending nah. it, Rich. No, Rich, I, I'm, I'm saying there's, I, I, there's the logic behind it, but the logic can suck. You know what I mean? Like it's, we always no, it's talk awful. about it. It's like, terrible. You can tell a story and it can make sense, but it can also suck. And this is one mm-hmm. that makes all the logical sense in the world, but it fucking sucks. Like, but it sucks. <laughs> now, it was my second favorite match of the night. I thought it was, good. It was, no, it was really good. Fucking match. <laughs> I mean, those guys are always good. Um, that match Russell Kingdom is going to great. It's going to be great. It's just it sucks. You know what I mean? Like it sucks from a booking standpoint. It's, it's it fucking horrible. Match layout yeah, standpoint, but no, it'll be good. Yeah. It's it's I'd rather just feature some two teams and the you know if if look I always say this WWE annoys me too every WrestleMania when they shoehorn everybody into a fucking six man tag or something sometimes it's just not your year to be on the big show get over more next year tough shit is you know I don't think anyone's entitled to shit okay I, I think that if, if they want to get Shingo over and it should have been Shingo and Bushi versus Suzuki Gun and Rapongi 3K. I'm sorry, you're in the fucking gauntlet or you're in the Rambo this year. That's just the way it goes. You know, it's like, you know, now, or just give them another match. There's no fucking law that says you can't have two junior tag team matches on the show. Let them open up against somebody else. Uh, you know what I mean? It's, it's just the, the three-way in order to get everyone on the big show, that kind of thing always just annoys the shit out of me. And it, it, it it's... It make you know why would I be invested in next year's Super Junior Tag League if they could pull some shit like this on me again? I, I you know what I mean. I'd I'd rather see one of my faves just not get a good spot at Wrestle Kingdom one year because that's just the breaks. It's a deep right. roster, tough shit. That's how it goes. I'm not someone who thinks everyone deserves something. No, get over more. You know, and I'm not suggesting Rapongi 3K is not over. I'm just in my little scenario here. I'm saying. You know, if that's the case, sometimes, you know, you get squeezed out. That's just the way it is. You're you're 26 years old. You'll have plenty of chances. You know, that's the way I look at it. Maybe that's cold. I don't know. But look, it's, it's I don't know. I think the best thing for the fans would have just been, you know, a straight up match, uh, you know, with, with Shingo or whoever, whoever wins this, you know, you flip it then, you know. Tough shit for Bushi and Shingo. Let them work the gauntlet with Sonata this year. Right. Or or like you're saying, have Bushi and Shingo, uh, uh, Bushi and Shingo have a, a junior tag match in the opener. They beat him definitively, and now you got your next 
program ready. Rapongi 3K wins the titles back, and now it's boom. It's Rapongi 3K versus Lij, and that stacks up yeah. your. Na- I mean, it's not that hard. Like, just add one match. Like, it's it's instead we get this, and it's just gonna yeah. The match is gonna probably still be pretty good, but I think it'll always be better. We said this years and years and years and years ago when it was that it was the Red Dragon and Young Bucks and and, and Rapongi Vice and you know the, the, the time splitters and all that sort of stuff. Is that every combination of these three would be better if it was just two? And I, I agree with that as well. If it was Rapongi versus Suzuki Gun, it'd be better. If it was Rapongi versus uh, Lij, it'd be better. If it was Suzuki Gun, LIJ, every combination of these three is better as a singles match and it does so much more and it was so refreshing when Rapongi 3k came back and and they gave them singles or not singles matches but one-on-one you know one team versus one team and it felt like they got over so quickly because of that they didn't feel lost in the shuffle and now we're seemingly back to this again and it's just like what do we do why don't just <laughs> one team versus one team it's so easy it's so simple and it does so much many more favors than trying to shoehorn everybody into one match so yeah yeah so, That's that. Um, all right, we'll get. Uh, we'll kind of go quickly over the rest of the undercard here because I know we got some other stuff to do under the clock here. But we got Gold Lovers, uh, Omega Nobushi defeating Taguchi Japan. Uh, anything big here? Tanahashi and David Finley, obviously building off the Tanahashi and Omega uh, at Kingdom. Did you uh, take anything huge away from this match? No, this this got the gentleman's three of the night. It was fine. The work was fine. It wasn't designed to be a blow away match. They didn't get enough time for that. It was um, yeah, just to to put some more heat on Omega and Tanahashi, and it was fine. Uh, then we moved on. We had a, a chaos. Uh, Okada and Beretta defeating Jay White and Bad Luck Folly. This only went about four minutes because it broke down really quickly with Okada and Jay White basically just going at each other's throats. That's all this match was. And I thought the brawl between them was good. And the heat of this is going to be incredible as well. So they've got something there with Jay White where there's genuine heat. And Okada is the perfect foil for him too. So I think this match existed in in only to to build you up and get you ready for Wrestle Kingdom. And I think nothing else really. So It was an angle. Yeah. You know, they did the mic work afterwards. It was an angle more than the match. Yeah. Uh, then you had uh, Tamatonga, Tungaloa, and Robbie Eagles versus Great Bash Heel, uh, Togemakabe, and uh, Togemaki Hanma, and Kushida uh, in that team, which, uh, yeah, I don't really have any strong thoughts about this match either. And I guess I'm assuming you don't. I'll, I'll give you the floor if you do, but. Nah, it's just a match. And, you know, Ishimori out with the ankle, so the card probably would have been a little different and all those sorts of things. But, uh, yeah, there's just nothing. I have nothing else to add. And then uh, our opener here was uh, Rusuke Taguchi, Chris Saban, ACH, and Toa Hanare versus Jushin Thunder Liger, Tiger Mask, Valador, and Saberano, uh, Saberano Jr. Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing about this. Saberano Jr. took the fall in a match that had Toa Hanare in it. Yes. Now, Soberano and Jr. He's on a team with Liger and Tiger Mask, which is other, you know, like, yeah, yeah it, it was it's, it was strange. I, I know the Lucha fans are annoyed, and I talked about this on one of my Patreon shows, I think. But it's like, hey, look, it's like I like Sobrano Jr. I thought he had a good um, – he's had good tours here in the past. He did not have a good tour. Now, um, people could be mad about that, but it's just a fact. The guy did not have a good tour. Even Kevin Kelly during this match covered for him and said, oh, you know, Sobrano, he's had some problems with the ropes on this tour. He's getting used to these. Like, he tried to cover for the poor guy. <laughs> right, 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 yeah. So, you know, the Lucha fans can get annoyed if they want. No one's picking on Sobrano Jr. We're just noting that he didn't have a good tour. And it just, you know, he hasn't. Right, people are, people are conflating he is not good to he didn't have a good tour. Some guys have bad right. games. You know what I mean? Some guys have a bad few weeks. Like, he had a slump week or whatever. doesn't mean we think he's bad or you think he's bad or anybody that thought he had a bad tour thinks he's bad. He just wasn't good on this tour. So it, it is what it yeah. is, you know? I don't think he's bad. I just think he didn't have a good tour, and he didn't. I mean, I watched every single match of that tournament and 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 did audio reviews of them, and he often was the worst wrestler on the show. Uh, you know, he just had a lot of trouble. He just wasn't crisp. I mean, what do you want to, you know, what do I say? But um, it was interesting here that he took the fucking fall. Now, I don't think I'm not suggesting they're punishing the guy for not 
you know, for slipping off the ropes a couple times during the tour. I, that's not what I'm suggesting, but I did think it was odd. Um, you know, uh, Rob Viper had a theory that since he was a fill in anyway, since this was supposed to be dragon Lee, but he's still stuck on an Island somewhere. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna be winning that damn game show right by now, right? He's been on the fucking island for like eight, like six months. What the hell? I don't know what's going on, but the I can't idea wait to watch the show because he's apparently the the biggest guy and biggest. Hey, he's probably, he's gonna win. Do you get like millions of dollars for winning? Because he's never. I don't know. I have no idea what this thing is, but he's been there for like nine months. So like, I mean, geez, he's probably gonna quit wrestling. He's gonna be a multimillionaire when it's all said and done. So his theory was maybe since he was a fill-in anyway and, you know, maybe New Japan just figured out, we'll just beat this guy because he wasn't supposed to beat her anyway and it doesn't matter and we don't have any plans for him on future tours or anything. Um, So, uh, but yeah, it's just, you know, bizarre that, you know, there's a chance really they finished last place, which I kind of figured they would and he took every fall. And listen, I'm not letting Volador Jr. off the hook. This was a low-effort tour from volador yeah dude I'm, I'm sick of getting excited about him coming here he always kind of because he's really good but like he comes here and you're like oh volador this the, the idea of volador jr always is better in japan than the actual execution no of question. just never no he he goes over there for vacation <laughs> and it shows man which you know more power to him but like you always have this idea of oh my god i can't wait to see volador jr mix it up with robbie eagles and then it's like never at all what you think it's gonna be so yeah. So anyway, that was power struggle. And then uh, we do have five official matches for Russell Kingdom. We are going to go over this a million times between now and then. But we talked about the three-way for the junior titles. Kushida, as expected, will defend against Taiji Ishimori, who will be healthy by then. I was afraid that maybe he broke his ankle, but apparently he hasn't. Ishimori, of course, pinned Kushida uh, during the uh, Tag League Tour. Uh, to set this up, so we've got Kushida versus Taiji Ishimori. Rich, uh, pithy thoughts on that? You think that? Could oh, be good? I can't wait. Yeah, it sounds incredible. Okay. I mean, Ishimori is incredible, and, and Kushida is great too. So that should be awesome, man. Remember, these juniors shouldn't come here because they're not going to get pushed. Right? Remember? Yeah. Um, They'll be like third from the top in a singles match, but yeah, okay. Yeah, terrible move by Taiji. Fourth, fourth from the top, fourth from the top, in, in a loaded card, but yeah. 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 Horrible business decision. Um, Kazuchika Okada, Jay White, of course, uh, we knew that was coming, but. It wasn't official until Power Struggle. Um, Jericho Naito, which we've talked about already, and of course Omega Tanahashi. And uh, we've got plenty of time to talk about Russell. I have a feeling we'll discuss them again, yes. One thing quickly, though, is the Willow Spray rib injury. You have a feeling like he would have beaten Taichi here, correct, for the Never title? Uh, Oh, certainly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, uh, that may have set up the Ibushi match, which they've been cutting promos on each other. So you get the sense that, man, are we missing out because of that injury? Because you know how New Japan is with the titles. They don't fucking wait around for you. It's okay. We're putting it on Goto. Um, Togi Makabe gets the flu, or was it Ishii? I forget which one. Well, you're fucking out, okay? We're putting the title on somebody. Remember that a couple oh, years yeah, ago? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That, that was Makabe. Oh, no, Makabe Law. Yeah, who? Um... One of them had the flu, and then they took him. They had to vacate the title, and I I don't remember the details right now. Yeah, but. I forget who it was, but yeah, someone like weird just got the title out of nowhere and like kept it. Well, no, then they set up. It was it was like one yeah, of they got it back the next match. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was like Ishi versus someone else, or I forget. I think what it was Makabe. I'm almost positive it was Makabe, but I, I could be wrong. Right, one of them, yeah. I don't know who got sick, but then I can't even remember who the two people were in the decision match. I don't know, but the point is, a great story by us. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, these these listeners are hardcores. They're probably screaming. Yeah. We're gonna get a thousand tweets. Oh, for I mean. sure, they know. Yeah, but um, the point here is to retain the kayfabe. They don't fuck around with these titles. So now they, you know, Goto obviously was the emergency winner there. I, you know, so are we going to be denied a Willow Spray versus Kota Ibushi never 
title match on Wrestle Kingdom, which would have fucking rocked. Are they just going to do a Bushi Goto? Is Goto going to defend against someone else? There's big names where I don't know where they fit yet. Goto, Ishii, Abushi, Will Ospreay, Minoru Suzuki, uh, Zack Sabre Jr. This year, unlike any other, it's really not very clear right now. And it'll clear up a little when we see who wins World Tag League because that'll eat up two guys. Those two guys will challenge for the tag team titles. I suspect now it'll be Evil and Sonata. Uh, that still leaves all of those names that I threw out there. Or if two of those, let's say Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. win, well, then Evil and Sonata don't really have a role. Rich, I don't know where a lot of these names are going to fit. So it's going to be real interesting to see how it all shakes out between then and now. Because a lot of those people, yeah, they're going to get screwed and end up in a gauntlet or something, but not all of them. So I want to see where the rest fall. That's a lot of big name talent. Juice Robinson's another one. Um, you know, you can go on and on. Um, that where they just don't have a clear defined role for this show at this point. And I can't recall a year where that many, Hey, Cody holds a title and we don't know what he's doing right. on, on, on the show. So we're that many big names. And of course, Cody defends against Trent on ROH. So they, they weren't going to announce Cody's match or Trent's to be fair, whoever wins that match. Um, they weren't going to announce the U S title match before that match happened. Cause again, that they don't like to blow their kayfabe in that manner. So we've got a U.S. title match needs to be announced. A never title match needs to be announced. The tag team title match needs to be announced. And oh, by the way, God are double champions. So we're not going to get, we may not have that gauntlet because they can't defend two titles on the same show. I don't think people have thought about that. How can you have a, a never six-man gauntlet if the champions aren't in the final leg of the gauntlet? It's, it's so, you can't even throw a bunch of people in that this year unless Ishimori and God drop those titles between now and Russell Kingdom, but there's not a lot of shows left, Rich. They would have to do it at Corkin on the 14th or 15th of December, two weeks before the show. So, I don't know. It seems like there's a lot of star power just hanging around out there. So, for World Tag League, we still don't know who the teams are. No, <laughs> maybe by the time we're recording this on uh, uh, Wednesday night, the 7th, so maybe they'll announce it immediately after. But everyone's kind of, because they like kind of said they were going to announce them, and then they just didn't. And now nobody knows if we're just getting a Mystery Vortex tour or what the hell's going on. But we got a few names here. A few names based on just wrestlers cutting promos and those sorts of things. Yeah, nothing so, nothing fully official, but like, yeah, Chucky e mentioning on commentary, you know, Juice and Finley. So the, the teams we have, and this is just very, basically gathering uh, some ideas. We know the Bucks are not in it, though. They uh, they confirmed that they were not in it. Uh, Great Bash Shield, we know they're in, or, or we don't. I shouldn't say we know, but we we, we assume that they're in. Uh, Killer Elite Squad. Great Bash Shield, in their case, Kevin Kelly had mentioned that. Yes. Togi Makabe told him that <laughs> they are getting ready for the That's, what got. That's so the best we can do right now is, is Togi Makabe told Kevin Kelly. Uh, I think Lance Archer said something, and that means that KS probably Twitter is going to be something. in it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chucky T mentioned on Twitter or on, on commentary that him and Beretta would be ready for right. it. So the best friends presumably will be there. I think Juice screamed something into the camera at some point. So Juice Robinson and David Finley, we assume. Uh, and then uh, God, uh, Tamatonga and Tangaloa, we assume because the champions are going to be in there. But <laughs> like you know, big now, shrug. Now, here's, we'll see. here's another interesting angle. I mean, if Chucky e. T may have given away Trent's result against Cody because they don't put singles champions in this thing anymore. Oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I did not think of that. So, so yeah, and now again, they, it's not official, but Chucky e. T basically gave away he's on the tour. <laughs> right, right. So right. you know, and you know, he's not teaming with Yoshihashi. Okay, so uh, you know. Um, 
Oh, Yoshihashi, he's in bad shape. I mean, I, yeah, I that. Oh my god, I feel bad that we were laughing as much as we were, but wow, geez, yeah, yeah, he got uh, fucked up. I mean, you know, he's he really injured himself very badly with that fall, and who knows what part he would have played in that storyline moving forward. And now he's just on the shelf, um, you know, banged up. But uh, that's New Japan, Rich. We almost we almost blew it again and didn't leave time for Dragon Ball. Can you <laughs> no. believe it? It's, it's it. really yeah. astounding, but yeah, we, we, we somehow we, find a way. I don't know what we're we even talking about. Oh yeah, we we're like talking about fucking MLW and <laughs> Terry Funk and what the hell are we doing? No, we got dragging it here. So we had the Gate of Destiny show from this past weekend. We have a review uh, up right now from Case Low on VoiceWrestling.com. So you definitely want to check that out to see uh, a little bit more of a detailed on on some of the matches. I think you and I are going to talk about you know big picture stuff and some of the big matches uh, that happened. But I think uh, you know we'll start out with, with with the biggest match, the Open the Dreamgate title match. Uh, the main event, uh, Yoshino defeating uh, Ben K in uh, a pretty, you know, 25 minutes, uh, a big moment, I thought, for Ben K. And I thought a pretty solid match, all things considered. Not great, but but really good. And I, I think what I came away with it more than anything, not that Yoshino, because Yoshino's great and he always delivers and his closing sequences are, are, are awesome. But I think more than anything, and I'm curious on your thoughts, I, I, I came away from this match going, okay, whenever they want to go anywhere with Ben K, I think they got it. I think they got a guy here that could do it if and when they want to pull the trigger on, on him. But I thought a pretty solid main event and, and you know, it, it, it seemed like they have at least the next step for, for, for both of these guys. I completely agree. This was not a case of T-Hawk shitting the bed when he got no. an opportunity to get in a Dream Game match. I thought Ben K acquitted himself very well. And more so than that, forget about performance in the match. He just came off like a star. And that's something that T-Hawk struggled with whenever uh, they, they, they attempted to put him in spots like this. T-Hawk just didn't exude the star charisma that that's necessary to be on top and which everybody thought that he would eventually ascend to in the company. And I thought I were on the same page because I was looking for the same things. I watched his entrance very closely. I watched how he carried himself during new the gear, new gear as well for him as well. Yes. And, and, and how he carried himself during the introductions and his body language. And then the way he worked the match, Look, it can be intimidating. It's the biggest match of his career and an important one for his career. And man, from a from a um, from from all of those angles, he knocked it out of the park. He did a great job. I didn't think it was a great match. I thought it was a good match. I thought there was a key spot where, um, you know, now it's Dragon Gate, so it doesn't mean quite as much because there's more finisher escapes and kickouts in Dragon Gate per capita than other promotions. I would say. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah, certainly. Um, yeah, but but. You know, I thought the way he powered out of the what is he call it? The soul naciente, the fucking leg lock choke gimmick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the way he powered out of it, which I thought was one of the key spots of the match and the and the you know, the quickness that he is they didn't drag that sometimes Yoshino will lock a guy in that and he'll have a minute for like two minutes, which in real time is a lot of fucking time. And they're struggling and they're struggling, and maybe they'll get out or maybe they'll tap. He just powered out of that fucking thing in 30 seconds. And I thought that was a key spot. And, um, you know, he eventually lost the match. And it was his first Dreamgate shot. And, yeah, I came away thinking the same things as you did. I was more concerned with how Ben K would come across. Then, look, they need to create some stars. We're not going to go over it again. They lost a huge chunk of the rock. You lose Akira Tozawa, Shima, and Shingo in the span of two years. I mean, that's fucking huge. And 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 guys like T-Hawk and, and Yamamura, who could have been the next way. It's fucking huge. You know, Lindemann. So, you know, this was a big match for the company. It was a big match for Ben K. And I thought he did pass the test from that perspective. Yeah, I thought all, all in all, a pretty solid main event. 
event, but uh, yeah, nothing that I mean, not, not a match of the year contender on any level, but a solid one. And yeah, I came in with the same way that you did. Like Yoshino's great, and I, I love all that, but I want to see the next step. See if Ben K is ready to be a star, and I think he he absolutely is when they want to do it. I think uh, we'll jump ahead here a little bit, but uh, we have uh, some word, and, and we know now that after this, this match, uh, December fourth, Cork and Hall, Pac we'll talk about here in a bit we'll be facing yoshino for the open the dream gate title so that's well, let's awesome. talk about him right now did you watch the flamita match i did i did um it, uh look, not great <laughs> yeah it was it was not interesting. great it, i know what they were going for it just did, he, yeah it was like 20 minutes of Pac just beating this kid up and you're like all right dude put him away like what are you doing man just well, like, now, but see here's the thing now it makes sense yeah, exactly. Right. At the it, time, I was like, what is going on? Like, what this match kind of stinks. But it makes all the sense in the world that he just went there and, and, and dominated him and ate him up, you know, in, in some ways. Hey, there you go. Full circle on this show. He really, he ate him up. He beat the shit out of Flamita. You could have done this match in six minutes. You know what I mean? I guess you don't want to totally bury Flamita. I guess you could. I mean, he's not any kind of singles. But they went like 20 minutes of just Pac methodically beating this man into a puddle of goo. I mean, Flamita had a couple of hope spots, and that was it. I mean, you look on paper, Pac and Flamita, and you're thinking, oh, shit, you're rubbing your hands together. Oh, yeah, come like, on. It's not that at all. This is going to yeah. be a <laughs> flippy-do fucking out-of-this-world, plus in Dragon Gate on top of it, Pac versus Flamita. You're like, oh, this is going to be the shit. Nothing like you're expecting. He just beat him up for 18 minutes and put him away, which makes sense because they're building him up as a title challenger. Um, here's the thing, though, with Pac slash Neville. That's kind of what he is with this character. Even in WWE, he wasn't out there having four and a half star matches on 205 Live and those sorts of things. If you remember, Rich, part of his gimmick as Neville was he would tease going up to the top rope, and then he wouldn't do it. Yeah, exactly. He was being right. a prick. And he would put guys in side headlocks and grind them into the mat. And he would just – Neville slash Pac is more of a character now. It's his aura that has gotten him over. And I'm not saying any of this is a negative. And a lot, it's a lot like Jericho in the sense that he works to his gimmick these days. Because even the King of the Cruiserweights era, Neville, was not out there having barn burners. I mean, there was the Austin Aries match at WrestleMania, which was a great match. There was the Austin Aries series of matches, which I thought were very good and told a great match-to-match story. Outside of that, it was a whole lot of gentlemen threes with Neville. Where Neville really exploded was with his personality, which no one thought that he had, and his new look, because he looks fucking badass, right? And his and his promos, which nobody thought that he can cut promos like this. And it's really been much of the same. He stayed consistent. This isn't flippy do Pac, babyface Pac that was in Dragon Gate seven years ago. Okay. So from that perspective, we were robbed of what could have been this incredible match, but it really wouldn't have fit what he's doing. And really, knowing what we know now, in hindsight, we can see why the match was built the way it was. Right. And I think so we're going to have to kind of temper our expectations of Pac. And I, I'm sure when he needs to deliver, he will. And he's going to have these great matches. But he's just he's not the same guy as he was all those years. But he's great at what he's doing right now. So it's just a, you kind of have to you know break your brain from like, okay, I, there's, a, there's an idea in my head of what I think Pac's going to be and what his matches are going to be and all this sort of stuff. And I need to sort of change that a little bit because what he's going to do now is still going to be great and it's still going to be good like he, even in this match it wasn't it wasn't what i expected but all in all it was good and when it was over and now that i know the result was i was like oh yeah that actually was pretty good but he might grind you in like he's going to do that sort of stuff but he's going to do it well so it's like you just kind of have to the, the the old Pac is maybe gone or dead or, or we might see glimpses of it here and there and we kind of have to you know re, re you know reconfigure our, our, our heads and our minds and our expectations when we see him in a match now and know that this new thing that he's doing is still gonna be good it's just gonna be different and that's not necessarily bad so it, I'm, it, it's- I'm, 
I'm curious how he works his indie matches, like his one-off indie shot matches here or there. And because I, I think he has to let loose in those bouts a little he bit. He does. Yeah, he really does. Especially if he's on this first run of, uh, of indie shows, yeah. he's got to, because you yeah. need to be an asset in that way. And people are, people are coming in expecting a certain level of, of work and, and, you know, doing grinding guys to a halt and, and, and faking that you're going to do stuff off the top rope or whatever is great character work, but it's not necessarily going to work in a one-off indie, as you're saying, that's going to, yeah. I mean, he's, he's telling longer term stories on two Oh five live and in dragon gate. And he's gotten over in dragon gate and he's helped his unit tremendously. I mean, that red unit was a fucking joke and it's like, it, 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 so I get what he's doing, but he's not a guy you're going to lean on for four and a half star classics. He's this is exactly what we saw in WWE. He is a guy getting over with character work, and I'm okay with that. But you know, it, it's like you have to temper your expectations for the bell to bell, for sure. Um, now the Brave Gate match, Dragon Kid Bandito. Did you watch how much I'm not going to ask you every minute. Did you watch this whole show or I did not. Okay. So I only watched from Pac on. So I watched the okay. Pac for me to drag. I just didn't have time. I wanted to get it to all of it. That's I just kind of ran out of time a little bit. So I, I saw the final four it. matches. So yeah, I didn't think I did either. So people love the triangle gate thing. I mean, we'll get to that, but um, so the brave gate match was dragon kid and bandito it, again. Good match. Didn't blow me away uh, by any means. Rich. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I have to say it. I don't get bandito. Like I get bandito. But here's what I don't get about Bandito. All of this talk of he is the next indie superstar and this guy is just incredible. I I am not seeing what everybody else yeah, sees. You if know what if I he's see? the next indie superstar, we're in some big trouble here. Okay, so you're um, with me. I'm, I'm with here's you what I see. That, like, the, again, like the idea of Bandito sounds awesome. And then I see him in practice and I'm just like, nah, I don't know. It's fine. <laughs> like, you know, I like this match I was super hyped for and I was over and I was just like, yeah, all right. Well, yeah, Bandito. That's how. Awesome. Now, yeah. listen. Because he looks great, like he looks awesome. Like you think he's just gonna rock, and then it just doesn't. But every time I see it, I get fooled again. I'm like, oh, Bandito, no, here we go. And then it's it's like not that good. So here's my disclaimer: I've seen zero PWG this year. I've heard, yeah, I've not seen his PWG work yet, and I've heard that that is pretty incredible. I'm planning on it. I I usually do like an end of the year uh, PWG catch up, you know, to get ready for match of the year. So I will eventually see it. But as of right now, yeah, I'm I'm the same boat as you. So I've seen this dude in a million other places, and he and and here's the other thing before we get misquoted. I think he's really good, but I don't understand what separates Bandito from a half a dozen other really good lucha guys that are floating around. I, I don't, I don't get it. Now he's super creative and he does things that no one else does. I that, that's an absolute fact. He did some spots here that only he does, and you know that I've only seen him do. So it's not like I'm saying the guy isn't any good. I'm not saying the guy sucks. He's really fucking good, and he's super creative, and I like watching him. But man, do I feel like he gets overhyped. I mean, I, he doesn't have the charisma to be the next great indie superstar. Does he have like charisma that jumps off the screen to you? I don't think so. No, he's got a look that jumps off the screen, but the charisma doesn't match it. In I, that I don't get it. Now, again, maybe when I go back and watch all this PWG stuff where he seems to be over like a fucking, you know, like anyone, maybe it'll come through in PWG. It hasn't come through anywhere else that I've seen him. I just see a guy who I'm like, yeah, he's really good. But I say that about a lot of these uh, luchadors who, who make the rounds. Uh, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I've never, I don't understand the overwhelming hype for Bandito. I, I just don't get it. So, um, this match was all right. It was okay. Um, 
Dragon Gate's in a weird spot. You know, they're in a weird time right now, and I, they have a lot of their titles on their old standbys, and I get it. I get why you would want to do that. You know, Yoshino and Dragon Kid and even the tag champs, you know, Hulk and Yamato. It's like, you know, when in crisis, you know, it's like go to who you know. Go to who you can trust. So I'm not, cri- I'm not criticizing that. I get it. Um, you know, go to the old standbys who you know are going to deliver, who you know people like. It totally makes sense. But, you know, and I watch, I watch like the undercard and I'm watching this, the undercard of this show. And it really struck me where, where I think all of the Dragon Gate defections have hurt them is the deep undercard. You watch Dragon Gate shows from two, three years ago or, or going back forever in their own history and, and their deep undercard would be really solid veterans like Super Sisha and Kness mixed with great up-and-coming young guys mixed with, you know, it's like guys that were being downcycled from pushes, whoever that month wasn't in it, like a Susumu or a, or a Shima or whoever wasn't being, who was, whoever was between pushes. And you'd get these solid three-and-a-quarter star matches with all this great talent. And what I'm seeing now, what has really hurt them is there's a lot of indie scummers sneaking in with your Cosmo Sakamoto's and your Yashis. And then you've got your guys who just don't give a shit anymore and were never that great to begin with, like Kanda or Punch Tamananga. And it's like, and Gamma, who you know, hasn't taken a bump in a year. And it's like, it's like, that is where I think it has hit them. The deep yeah. depth the company has is really where the all of the losses have taken a hit because you put all of those people back in um who who left you know you bring back shima and his crew and shingo and and tazawa and and everyone else that they've lost some of the gaijins that aren't around anymore okay and then you're not dealing with kazuma sakamoto you're not bringing back yashi you know you're you, you know you're leaving punch off of the card you know, it, it, it's Monday Ryu. I get it. He broke his neck, but that's another one. Like, you know, he was never a world beater either. And now he's out there working, coming off the injury. It's a nice story and everything. But man, watching the first two or three matches of this show. And look, I know they have great young talent and people didn't understand me when I tweeted that out. And I didn't bother arguing with them because I can explain myself on the podcast. I get that they have great young talent too on these undercards, whether it's this Kota Minora who they got going on now and, uh, you know, UT's trying to get back in the mix and then Joe Watanabe, who's Iron Mike Spears guy, you know, his young leopard child, like he likes to call him. And you, and you know, you got your guys like uh, your Yuki Yoshioka's and I look, I get it. Kato Ishida, I'm not putting any of those guys down. It's just I feel like a lot of their deep undercard is indie sleaze level these days. Some of the talent and 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 the red faction is just loaded with guys like that. And it's just you know I don't I have no use for guys like Kanda and Sakamoto. I've no yeah use for yeah them. yeah. I think one of the big things that we used to talk about this when you know in those days when Dragon Gate was super deep is that it felt like there was your handful of guys. It was your four or five guys or whatever that were never going to push and never going to go anywhere and were just kind of your guys like you were saying. But then there was that like that stable that we were like, dude, from from match two on, you can bring any of those guys up, and if you want to make that guy one of your main eventers for a few months, you could do it. And and like now it doesn't feel that way. Now it feels like the undercard is really filled with guys who are undercard guys, and then you have your main eventers and stuff and it felt like we always talked about the system in dragon gate was almost so fluid and, and that was kind of a cool thing about it is it never felt like there was your you know quote unquote main eventers and then you were, 
you know, but it felt like everybody could be a main eventer if they needed to. Now it very much feels like you got your low card guys, you have your openers, you have your mid card guys, and you have your main eventers. But that sort of that creates some stagnation in, in, in some ways too, where you can't just pull up a guy from the middle of the pack and have him, you know, go on a run for a little bit or, or, or do some fun stuff. Now it feels very much like you have your stable of main eventers and that's it. And then the rest of the guys are, are, are just kind of there hanging around. So I, I see absolutely what you're saying there. Yeah, that that's all I'm saying. It's just it's 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 very clear that the defections have hurt them in the in the in the depth department down card. I'm not even talking about the mid card. I'm talking about down card, where it was always like, holy shit, Dragon Gate's the deepest promotion in the world. They still might be. I don't know, but it used to be there were very few weaknesses on the card. We used to joke that Cyber Kong was the weak link. He's right, right, yeah. <laughs> he was yeah, he was in one of the best it's, matches of the entire show. And you know, third from you know, the top, yeah, it's nuts. Oh, so second from the top, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you know, and I have no problem with your Don Fujis and your Stalker Ichikawas and guys like that. No problem at all, you know, especially in, in the slots that they're in. But um, you know, they're using a lot of guys where I think when Dragon Gate gets back on track and they figure things out, you're gonna see some of those guys phased out completely and others just move down and, and maybe not work every show and those sorts of things. But that's all I was trying that that's just the point I was trying to get at with that, you know, super down card. But I guess the only other match on the undercard, uh, on on the top of the card was the, the Twin Gate match, which I was not crazy about either. I thought it was fine. You know, they did the uh they did the mist spit and all that and and uh, you know the the former Cyber Kong is is fine, and Big R um, is a guy who 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 I believe in. Um, I, I'm kind of over BB Hulk, uh, to be honest. I, oh, you finally joined me. I, you know, this is it's gonna be weird, Joe, but I'm kind of in on BB Hulk now. I like him because he's now kind of like fat and doesn't really like care that much, so he just kind of slaps and kicks guys. I'm kind of into this new, you know post-career BB Hole because I like the old and, and Case Lowe brought that up in his review as well and I, I absolutely agreed like I didn't like BB Hulk when he was like you know the classic BB Hulk that you talk about but now he's like fat and doesn't really care and doesn't really try so he just kind of kicks and slaps and stuff I kind of enjoy that but yeah I, I, I could see how like Yamato was running circles around him in this match and Yamato's still great and, and, and Big R was trying to do everything he could and BB Hulk just kind of like stands and kicks people now, and that's kind of all he does now so I guess it's fine but no I'm kind of I'm kind of becoming more in on BB Hulk and I've been a long time BB Hulk hater but uh yeah, so now as you're leaving the, the train, I'm jumping on. So that's, uh, that's interesting. Well, I mean, I was never really on it, to be honest. I mean, here's the thing about B.B. Hulk. He was never the most polished worker, and I think that got disguised on this roster. Yes, yeah. Um, now that he's got to be in bigger spots and stuff, yeah, you're, you're starting to see. I've, I've, I've always kind of been uneasy about him. Or, uneasy is probably the wrong word. I've just never quite... I don't know, he's never done it for me on the level that he does for so many others. So He would always frequently get exposed in singles matches in this mm-hmm. company. He, yeah, yeah. He's, he was never the most polished guy. He was always a little sloppy. Um, you know, better six man tag guy or, or tag guy than, than singles guy. And I never really, I just, I don't know. I'm kind of over BB Hulk at this point. Um, and there are some wrestlers on this this roster that I think could really use a fresh coat of paint in a lot of ways too as they're transitioning. I think the Yosuke Santa Maria thing. I mean, eh, I, it, it, let's do something new there. Um, I'm not even suggesting dropping. A completely different gimmick, but can we update it a little or get a little spark into Yusuke Santa Maria? I mean, it's just eight man tag. I mean, look, I get it. You can't always be pushed. I understand, but and 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 here's the thing too. Now the Triangle Gate match, I should mention, you didn't see it, I did. I, ugh, these three way Triangle Gate matches with nine guys. Look, it was a good match, but I'm kind of over that too. And I'm not. Tr- I'm not trying to be grumpy. Uh, here, but I'm kind of over these three-way triangle game. I just th- 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 anything with three-way on it, Rich. I fucking had it. I just I can't. <laughs> I, I'm, you're with me. I'm, I've 
I want the one on one. I want my straight old school. Yeah, one on one. I'm I'm with you. Or, or yeah, one versus like one. Everyone yeah. bleeds together. No one can really stand out as much yeah. as they should. And you know there was a lot of great talent in that match, and and it just they all got fucking eaten up because they're all in there fucking, you know, running in doing their spots, and then before yeah, my eyes always bleed during those matches, and and I didn't watch this one, but like historically, every time and I, and like there's some that I really want to enjoy and really want to like, and I watch, and I'm just like, yeah, it was fine, but it's just like it all starts to kind of blend together, like you're saying. There's just guys everywhere and it's it, it, it's chaos and i don't I, I never enjoy chaos in a wrestling match i enjoy you know having a focus and, and, and a point and and that's really what, what what drives home for me so so natural vibes retained that was horiguchi kz and, and susumu yokozuka and the other two teams were jason lee uh, who i like a lot kaito washita who i like a lot and the rookie doi and then uh, mochizuki shunsai skywalker and uh yuki yoshioka i thought mochizuki and skywalker had a great all japan junior junior tag league tour uh, this year as an aside since we didn't really talk about that but uh, yeah a lot of good young talent here but okay so Ishida does but but you have no time to let it settle because then those two dudes are rolling out of the ring and now Jason Lee and Yushioka are in there it's just I can't take the three ways anymore um then there was some down card stuff we don't need to get into because um, I already buried the shit out of it. But I do want to say this. I am down on the units right now. I think red stinks, but I think that's universal. Um, I never liked Tribe Vanguard. I, I just was never – and maybe that's a Hulk thing where I'm just over Hulk. Yeah, it never, it never clicked with me too. And I'm, I'm – yeah, it's, it's probably a Hulk thing for me as well. But yeah, no, they never really clicked for me either. And then there's Natural Vibes, which oh, has – don't uh, do this. Don't do on. this, Joe. Now, hold on. Let me make my point. Let me okay. make my point. Your, your point's wrong of, already, but go on. There's a bunch of great wrestlers in Natural Vibes. I hate the aesthetic. I hate the dancing. I just, just <laughs> fucking fight. Okay? Just fucking fight. I don't need the goofy dancing before the match. Which, which but, Joe, when you have such a good theme music, how do you not dance to it? The theme music's awful. You're they, wrong. I don't need the dancing. You're objectively. Just, you're just wrong. You're just absolutely wrong. I need you to fucking fight. I don't need, I, I'm, I don't need the dancing. The aesthetics are no good. I, they just don't connect with me. And it's a bunch of really good wrestlers in a really shitty aesthetic unit. I can't, I, I don't need the dancing. It drives me nuts. I want Masakatsu motherfucking Funaki to come down and just kick them all in the head <laughs> and teach them a lesson about fighting. Just fucking fight. I, I, I want to watch wrestling. I don't need a dance routine before every match with your dopey song. And I don't need, drop all the weed connotations so Yashi can just fucking disappear. I just, I can't, I, I, you know, I just, I'm not into it. Their, their aesthetic doesn't work for me. The wrestlers in the stable, I love Kajitora, especially when he gives a fuck, which currently he's not being pushed, so he doesn't. I love Susumu Yokozuka, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, a, a criminally underrated wrestler. Casey, okay, I'm going to say it. I don't think he's going to, I don't think he's a star. Never, I, he never screams star to me. I love that they're giving him a chance. I don't see him as a top guy. And I don't think he'll ever be a top guy. He ju- 